0: Uh, Hello, always and been on something randomly. from the beautiful
1: Central Coast. I, I of feel like it'd be a good opportunity the to start Death where you're like your radio show. show. Oh, break us I'm down to
2: your Lars Yeah, your philosophy
1: and your details of like your Lars oric impression. Yes, to any listeners that see the thumbnail and the title of this episode, we're gonna be talking a lot about fucking Metallica. Yeah, I'm gonna be doing.
0: A lot of Lars' impersonations. I oh, was so
2: "Are you gonna do like the Terminator so. uh, description and writing this one? How many Lars impersonations did they do? The answer is a lot. We're not doing more than Terminator. Now. Terminator was like, yeah, our old legend,
1: but but Lars is way more funnier to do. Like literally, it's like, how's it going? Welcome to the Triple D Radio Show with your boys, James and Edward."
2: Edward was good. Hey, how's it going? You are you guys? ready to kick
1: the audience in the testicles? We're an awesome fucking We've show. we got a great yeah.
2: We, this this show's gonna gonna be a real motherfucker today. We're gonna kick your testicles in your fucking nostrils. Are, yeah, I
1: already, already is an issue. Right, we need to calm down there. But what yeah. is on the show today? And listeners, there's timestamps in this in the the
2: description. Uh well, we've got uh Metallica and more Metallica and of course before all that we've got Hot or Not and we kind of sort of have a special guest today. Uh good friend Bubba Bone Steel is going to be joining good us for
0: friend. B-b-b-b-bose. at least yeah. the
2: black album gonna see because that's one of his favorite albums of all time uh, i actually kind of always think of him when i listen to that album uh not just in the sense of like oh man this album reminds me of jake no it's just well i guess in that uh, sense but you know it's just kind of like i just associated with him because it's one of his favorites yeah uh but yeah we're gonna we're gonna see if maybe he'll want to stick around a bit to review the movie
1: i don't uh, know we're just gonna call the fool and see but all right, listeners. there's you want to just get him on the phone right on the line right now before the sure, show? Why All not? Right, we're going to just pause for a quick second. All right, listeners, we got good friend Bone Steel on the line. All right, Jake, what's good? What's good? Oh, you fucking tell me. What have you been up to? Uh, well, Special like guest of the show. We also have a quick question before you actually go off. <laughs> Do you want to hang out for most of the episode because we're gonna be talking about the Black Album and then the first half A Year in a Life? You've watched that documentary, right?
3: Multiple times.
1: Damn right. So you got so you actually have opinions.
3: I think so. That's my favorite era of Metallica. So well, you like
1: the Blackout, al- like the good Black Album era before they like all right, they they've hit like the part where they like hit their peak and then from there on it's just, uh, what do they do?
3: Yeah. Correction, I fucking love the Black. The Black Almera. Yeah. yeah, Edward
1: said that. He was like Edward over here was like, when I listen to the Black Album, I think of Good Fred Jake.
2: Why are you making me sound like Lars trying to do a dramatic <laughs> line read? Oh, no, Actually, made, you
1: did a dramatic like, line read on how much, like, when I listen to this... Album. No, what I, I sa- think of good friend Jake. No, what I said was because because
2: like- I just was like yeah. When I listen to the album, I just kind of think of Jake because. Correct me if I'm I wrong. Jake, of think of Jake. Did was was is this your favorite record like ever or I, did it used to be? I, I can't remember if you said this was your favorite. I know it's one of your favorites, obviously.
3: Well, I I think today I'm going to be a black album apologist and defend it to the death. Um, I think that the black album. Yeah, like I just think that the Black album is probably you know the best metal album of all time. But we'll get into that. Don't worry. Uh, P-
2: P- some of the some of the older Heschers have semi coming around to the Black album ish in recent years enough to consider it part of their well, are classic discography. These-
1: That's a very uh very vast wide age demographic. Right? It is. Are you talking about older Heshers that? we like raised on the Black Album. Uh, some, Are you well, talking about some like goofy twenty year old? No, nah, no, nah, like, I mean, I mean, about some one of the, year, They're like, nah Black Album's whack, and then the next year, you know what? Black Album is pretty cap. Yeah, some,
2: lie. or at least some of the older fans have just made their opinions more well known. Me, uh, I always like the the Black Album. Oh,
1: fo- he's, sure. he's talking about the eighties, fucking
3: the 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 first four albums. simps So yeah, what, those like the, yeah, those guys.
1: So what, like five of them? He's like, you know what the blackout mean? (laughs) Half
3: bad. Look, he's going off about the guys that are like, oh, what the fuck? Metallica's actually, like, focusing on songwriting and production for once? Fuck them.
2: What the fuck? These guys are being fucking musicians and expanding their songwriting talents? What Uh, the fuck? We're going to
1: have a long show about talking about Metallica. We need to get on, like, just... Let's talk about life. Okay. Like, do you want to lead it? Or, good friend, Bo Steel, what's going on with your life?
3: I mean, everything is... uh well uh, Last time we talked, I've just been dealing with uh, just computer issues and trying to get all my plugins and shit back in order. So that's basically trying to doing. set up the
1: good home studio.
3: Yeah, trying to get not be so lazy. It's been like three months since I've done anything music related. Oh
1: so Do you feel like it's a good tolerance break?
3: Yeah, I think I, like, I'm like i ready to go again. So I'm you ready to fucking go? Yeah. Editing this music video, doing some shit. So,
1: oh yeah, you did a music video. Back in July,
3: and I haven't put it out, so I've just been oh wait, wait, what music video
2: was that one? Was that the one where you were shooting it with Thomas, and then James the whole time in our group trap was just like, Yo, no. it's Andy Negative? No. Uh, no, 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 no. The Andy Negative
1: one with the balloons, yeah. that already came out. Oh, okay.
3: Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. No, this is a different one. No, this is for the Yesterday's Runaway song, so I did it back in July, but then we ended up moving and all that Yesterday's shit, I just never runaway. had my, my stuff set up, so... Kind of editing it now, trying to put it together, and then I'm pulling a bunch of, like, archive footage from, like, the last 10 years to, like, put in it. So, like, Salvation X clips. That's why it's just taking a while.
1: Hmm. All right, all right, all right.
3: Not bad. So, by the way.
1: Yeah, it was
2: good.
3: The fucking Salvation X footage is hard to
2: watch <laughs> <laughs> yeah jake was talking to me about that when we were up there for p dubs and uh and it was one of the times yeah we you know i out.
1: like crashed out and you guys yeah. like talked for
2: hours and hours on end well i hadn't seen jake in a while but uh yeah he was telling me he was just uh i'm paraphrasing he was basically just like bro this was true suffering right here." i don't know what jake tell
1: footage. us about it
3: no, I was just watching it and I was just like, fuck dude, so bad. Like so bad and the cringe. The, the 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 Salvation X album is is could be argued that it's bad,
1: but argue that it's Could bad. be argued.
0: <laughs> could be but argued.
1: It's okay to be say debated. it's it's, it's, a, it's a I think it's bad, but it's also funny as fuck for it's us. It's a
2: contentious issue.
3: I think it's bad, but I will say like here's the thing, that there's some charm to it, I think just basically because i look back at it, i was just like okay like two dudes in high school that literally had no idea what the fuck they were doing just kind that's of that's what it me. is yeah and so i can look back on it and be like and for fondness for that sake and just be like this is just like kids being creative or trying to be and this is what they churn out or whatever so yeah that's fine but then to take it and Make it live in front of people without really putting in much effort beforehand. I was just like looking at him like, "Fuck, dude, it got no flow. There's no articulation of the voice." I and then I found an SD card with foot like footage from like 2009, 10, 11, and once again, I was bringing this up to Edward. I was just like, for some reason. I sounded like a South Park character for like five years of my life, <laughs> and now I know where that whole like bone, like the bone steel impersonation, like just go, how's it going, did it get? like that that weird
2: like. Oh, you,
1: now you now you listen to yourself back. Now it I was listen
2: like a back and I'm like, oh, okay. you know, it just yeah. hit me—the bone steel impersonation. It's like a mixture of uh, Mr. Garrison and Big Gay Al.
3: Yeah, so I mean, or I don't maybe
2: Mr. Slave without the lisp.
3: Yeah, so now I'm hearing that, like you know, as I don't know when that whole thing stopped somewhere, probably in L.A.
2: I told you, I told you, I think it happened like within a month of you moving to L.A. That soulless town just crushed your spirit.
3: Oh, that was another thing. When I'm going through all this footage of me at like <laughs> eighteen, nineteen, getting ready to move to Hollywood, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, you guys. That's right. It's going to be awesome. I'm so stoked. And <laughs> the so- vlogs,
1: dude. The vlogs. Oh, my God. Just the retro vlogs. Like, Yeah, I'm going to be so stoked. It's going to be so sick. Thanks for all the support, you guys. Dude, dude please tell <laughs> me. Please tell me you're like, oh, I'm going to be. This is the beginning of me becoming a sick rock star. Please tell
3: oh, me. Oh, no, no, no. The cringiest piece of footage that I've ever found myself, I found like a week ago where I'm in the U Haul on the way to uh, to Hollywood, like moving there. And I have a fucking like rock star lemonade, and like see that rock star? That's what I'm gonna be. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love it. Oh my god! So
1: any other good cringe?
3: Uh, yeah, no, no, no. So no, no, it's all bad cringe. It's just yeah, me walking down the fucking. Oh no, this feels like this good is,
2: cringe to me, buddy.
3: This is full. This is full on like butt rock. Uh, like you know, at, at its peak. Well, you got wrist, yeah, you wrist did, accessories <laughs> on both
2: wrists. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you used to wear a lot of bracelets. Didn't you have a couple... Didn't you have a necklace with, like, Jeff Hardy's logo or Dude, something? the good Affliction shirt.
3: Exactly. So, yeah, we're talking Affliction shirts. We're talking the, the faux The hops, acid the wash jeans. Sunglasses, wrist accessories. Just Pirates of the Caribbean necklace I wore for like from 2007 all the way to, like, 2014 straight. Like, just full-blown. Uh yeah, so the fashion was oh, and then the temporary hair dye, so it's just like one day it's like fucking, you know, sprayed it, sprayed pink and green and then the other it's just I don't know. I went back and I was just like, fuck, dude. I
2: like the hair dye. You rough. should've kept that. And then honestly,
3: I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna to I'm gonna segue here to something very weird to talk about, but I feel like I finally got it. Because you know how there's this whole controversy with like older dudes dating younger women and all that stuff, like, oh uh, like yeah. what the fuck? Like, you know, if you're, if Are you're you
2: specifically referring to like the Leonardo DiCaprio kind of thing or just in general, no,
3: I'm more so talking like what's going on with Billie Eilish right now. Like Billie Eilish is like 20 and she's dating this dude from there's a band called The Neighborhood. They're like a uh, indie emo band. Oh, and I, that I dude know The is, Neighborhood. Yeah. 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 And, and that dude is like 32. Right. And so everyone is all up in arms like, what the fuck? And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm over here thinking like, you know what? I probably wouldn't date a 19 year old. But like, you know who am i to say anything like you know they're technically an adult like they can do whatever they want however the one time and i've had many talks with men and women all the time that you know that are trying to argue that point of why they should have a say in who people date and i i to me i can just never i just back off and i'm just like "Look, well, they can do whatever they want they're fucking 19. but after watching that footage of me at 19 i'm like dude i didn't know what the fuck i was doing i had no <laughs> idea what i was getting into moving to hollywood i i had like no concept of life at all so now yeah. if I was a 30 year old at the time i would have been like i would have had no fucking idea so i don't know it's just like it's funny when you look back on your old footage i found old footage of uh of youtube of, of 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 like james and i had at uh fitness works in Morrow bay
0: oh yeah
2: <laughs> yeah how's oh, that yeah. fitness works? Oh. That, is that a gym <laughs> yeah oh
3: so like yeah know, maybe it's like yeah. A there's a just store like, or something i don't know there, there, there's a bunch of old cringy, cringy footage and everything but while i while i look back and i'm like dude fuck that kid like i swear <laughs> like, <fuck> <laughs> <him>. <laughs> I, I like stop being so positive, you idiot. It's not going <laughs> 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 <sighs> to... <sighs> <sighs> oh.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, that's a bummer. That Damn. That's a bummer that uh, L.A. turned you. See, so that's simple, a great punchline right there. That's pretty funny.
1: Yeah. Uh, that, that was a great punchline right there. That was a good one. Stop being positive, you
0: fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah,
3: well, yeah, it's because he has no idea. He's just like, oh, everything's going to be awesome. I, uh, You know, blah, blah, blah. I'm so grateful of this and that. It's like, shut the fuck up. You're paying $20,000 to go to this fucking school or whatever. None of the information is going to hit you until like two years later. And then it's going to be a long, slow, slow process to get, like, where you want to go. So, uh, yeah, basically, you know, uh, I can't be too harsh. I can't be too harsh because I was like a fucking right out, of, you know, brand new to the city. But at the same time, I'm just like, dude, uh, I, I'm i glad I'm not there anymore. So, yeah, that's basically why this video. About you. I remember
1: when you first moved out of Hollywood, you're like, I'm going to miss. I miss it. I like, dude. I missed that shithole, and I'm like, shut the fuck up. You're in a luxury apartment. You're in a luxury apartment now with a saltwater pool. You
2: built yourself a fucking pirate cove in your room.
1: Yeah, what the fuck you want to go back to Hollywood? In you that showed that zoo? you.
2: You have a light setup with like 19 different light settings. It's rad.
3: Oh yeah, no, 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 no. What I meant was like, I don't like, like if someone were to be like, hey man, do you want to like be 19 again or whatever? I'd be like, no. <laughs> As a matter of fact, no. This is pre eye surgery, pre hair surgery, like pre everything. I was just like a fucking
2: pre beautification.
1: Like, dude, yeah. I'd be stoked if I was like, like, are we talking about going back in time when I was nineteen? But am I like just sit there like, oh, d- like, do I have the knowledge of like,
3: no, no, that's the thing. no, 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 you don't have the knowledge. So oh, fuck that, fuck yeah, that, no. Yeah. no exactly so i think that 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 i'll be just just, reliving.
1: i just be really reliving all the bullshit i don't know what more different i could do
3: exactly so i mean i guess that there's one pause about getting older or whatever it's that like you know you can look back and be like all right i'm a more refined sculpture than i was back then but yeah yeah there's more
2: nuance
3: yeah so uh I, I I still have not gained a whole lot of nostalgia for that first half of the two thousand tens. I'm still kind of like, uh, you know, I still have a little bit of a hate boner for that time. You have period. a hate
1: boner for that time period.
3: Yeah. Once two thousand like seventeen hits or whatever, I'm I'm pretty cool going forward. But like, you know, I like th- those first five years at least. I'm like, mm, yeah, you know what? No. Uh, so. Yeah, that's basically just why it's taking forever. Is I've just kind of tried to like go through and find like cool archive footage and ways to fit it in
1: into your music video. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, I'm gonna look back in time. You're like, yeah, dude, nostalgia video, and you're like watching it. You're like, dude, fuck this. No, I. (laughs) Why would I want? Why? Why? I was like, no. Why would I support this? No. Yeah.
3: The problem is that, like, I wish I had more footage from, like, a good nostalgia period. Like, if I had footage of, like, running around at, at, at like, 13 or 14 in, you know, the mid-2000s. Homie, was... you
1: didn't have a smartphone. You didn't even have, know, like, I... a good cameras at the time.
3: All, all these fucking, you know. All, You're all not as, games.
1: dude, you don't have Zoomer technology.
3: Exactly. So now I basically, and you know what, it's fine because the, the pro, here's here's the thing with Zoomers, though. Unlike us, they can't lie about their childhood. They can't be like, "Oh yeah, I remember doing this, this, and this." See, <laughs> we have the ability to kind of make up our like make up our childhood and be like, "Oh yeah, rem- Like, I totally did this, even though you didn't." You so, just yeah, dude, think- I could
2: totally. Who the hell lies about their childhood. Oh, dude,
1: I'll gaslight every anyone on my childhood. I see. Yeah, I totally own an N sixty four. I wasn't just bumming out my friend, like whatever Fred spot to try to play Pokemon Colosseum. <laughs> dude, I totally own a Nintendo sixty four. Yeah, What'd you, what you well,
3: no, want? It's, it's literally scientific. It's called childhood amnesia and almost everyone has it, especially like before the smartphone where you just, it's not even that you're lying all the time. It's just that you're remembering shit wrong. So you're remembering it like better as it was or like whatever the case is. Zoomers though, when they're filming everything, it's like, you know, they, you know, they got, they got ground evidence of, of what, you know, their childhood was. So at least there's that. At least I can just lie and be well, like. Well, yeah. I'm not
2: gonna say that I don't have that childhood amnesia thing. I probably. I'm not saying I don't. I probably oh, do. Oh, aren't I can you tell a you,
1: badass? I'm just
2: telling you, I got no. Uh, I got no. Uh, I got no delusions about my childhood. So I guess I got that going for me.
3: Well, it's not even that. It's just like you'll you'll think it like. Uh, here's the common one. All of us probably cop to watching wrestler like wrestling regularly earlier than we did. Like obviously, I remember watching wrestling. In the 90s you know because my brother watched it and everything but if I'm sitting and being like totally realistic here and stuff it's like I probably wasn't watching it on a weekly basis until my dad got out of San Quentin in like you know 99 or 2000 and I was you know watching heat with him every weekend but like before that period as much as I love 97 and 98 and everything, I have to think that, you know, it was probably on, someone was watching it, like my older brother is probably watching it, but was I sitting there intently watching it with him like a single week? Mm, probably not. So, I just think that there's certain but I feel like I sell it like, you know, like like I have. So, and th- the timeline gets warped the further you get away from it is the point that, you know, I'm making. So, uh-huh. anyways, long story sh- long story long that is basically a what I've been doing is just going through a bunch of old footage and uh, cringing along the way.
1: That sounds pretty sick. All right, mm-hmm. I think we can now start the show proper. All right, Jake, we're gonna take a moment, a break, so I can get a timestamp. But send us a hot or not. Did you catch? You that? want a
3: hot for this week?
1: Yeah, that's the show.
3: Well we're talking about one of the hottest albums ever. I didn't think it would- alright, hold on.
1: Well i I I will we might as well do the hot or not live and in person with your freaking forehead ass. Okay. Yeah, that's right. All right. Listeners uh, will be uh, back.
3: These guys will pop off. That's hot. Alright,
0: that's 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 uh, that's that's
1: that's uh, for sure, for sure. Alright, listeners. We're now back that's hot. with hot or not, that's hot. as you can hear the bumper. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. Have to get a astute habit of like starting recording while people were in mid like sentence. But all right, Jake, it's pretty funny. What'd sometimes. you send us this week?
3: So for uh, this week, I sent a song by the band Say Anything. Um, the song is called uh, "Judas Decapitations." By and basically, the song is is older, right? However, it's such a good weird song, and I think that the band is. Um, I wouldn't say underrated. They kind of have like this cult following, but I saw that they were playing when we were young next year. So, you know, obviously, there's got to be some kind of buildup on their uh, on their nostalgia factor. And once again, just a weird band that does some real cool stuff. Um, I would say that they're more indie rock um, mixed with this kind. Of... They're just weird. So give it a listen. And is it hot or not? I
1: don't know. Let's listen.
0: This is Vatel.
1: All right, this sounds like some Hobo Johnson kind of shit. A bearded slob. So how'd you discover this Bamboo Steel? Uh,
3: when I was twenty, uh, twenty years old, or something like that. I was, like too long.
0: Uh,
3: I was at MIT. Uh, I remember some of the stuff that they there's a song uh, that I've called, had. It's a great, it's a great little track, and then from there, got there, did the record
1: Rock, I'm, off, rush, I'm, I'm sorry Jake With the audio going on at the same time I did not hear anything you said I heard some of it but Hopefully not Hopefully the well. listeners will like what's there But I don't know What do you think of this so far Ed? It's um
0: It's I quite a lot of different stuff
2: Um
1: Kind of fucking sloppy for starters
2: Sloppy like in a good way or in a not good
1: way? Eh it's fine I like it well. It's
2: not sloppy. Where it's like, oh yeah, I love it. Sloppy. I'm gonna enjoy the music. No, I'm just like it's sloppy. Yeah. I like how the I like this. I like the tone of the bass, and uh, I like that synth they got going in the background. This definitely feels like tunes that uh, kids we went to school with would have jocked back in the day.
1: For sure. For some like unknown man.
2: Yeah, yeah. I definitely hear what Jake's saying about them feeling kind of indie. Feeling what? He said they were kind of indie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like indie,
1: but this also feels very like 2009 though too.
2: It kind of it kind of reminds me of like like a fuzzy how to. It reminds me of the Cure in a couple ways, like just the song structure and like the music that's happening, you know.
1: Maybe cure instrumentally. instrumentally. I'll agree with yeah. you there, but like, vocal. No, wise, musically, no. no.
2: Musically, this is. Vocally. I
0: just... Interesting. <laughs> yeah, vocally,
2: no. This is definitely like, you know, the era of early Panic at the Disco and Attack, Attack. This song came
3: out in 2014,
2: but the band has been around Okay, so Panic at the Disco and. Was Beartooth out by then? Those not are like him two him.
1: different bands.
2: No, I, I'm just saying era-wise.
1: Like, sure, that's like definitely 2010 era, sure. Like, I thought Panic! with Disco definitely got prominence in the 2000s. Yeah. The band's
0: been around for over 20 years, so.
2: over 20 years you said? Yeah, I don't really have anything quippy about this one. No? I'm not disliking it.
0: It's like, they all- yeah, it's emo. Definitely.
1: I would definitely say it's emo. Sure.
2: <laughs> this is where the shit goes down. All right. Yeah, they have like 20
3: past members. The whole band is based off of one. <laughs> so think. It's mainly one dude uh, throughout the whole uh, history of the band. Th- think like Third Eye Blind, basically like one dude, and then just a fucking cycling.
1: Well, is it one dude
2: that does all the music?
3: One one dude who's basically the band, and then okay. everyone else. Yeah, and then everyone else just kind of cycles through. Yeah, it's so- kind of
2: like because I mentioned Panic the Disco earlier, like how pa- Panic at the Disco. Like I think last year or this year. Uh, everyone left except the singer, and now Panic at the Disco is literally just that dude's solo project.
3: Yeah, Brandon Urie.
2: Yeah, or just his job. Well, that um, too.
3: <laughs> but uh, so anyways, the reason that they are kind of relevant and as far as the Hot or Not is because this band has been done since 2018, and uh, but they're returning from hiatus in 2023 for the When We Were Young festival. So When We Were Young is kind of bringing them uh, you know, back so to speak, but um, cool, cool, yeah. So the dude, the dude who's in the band is like, you know, bipolar, drug addiction, all this other stuff, and like, cool, uh,
0: he's, cool, he's
3: got some good, uh, you know, uh, he's just it's very meta. Like I don't know, his music is very just like self-deprecating and all that stuff. So good little band. Well, you can
2: definitely, you can definitely feel parts of that in the music. It's very. Uh, It's very uh, frantic and like um, like it's connected, but disjointed at the same time that that definitely feels like what he was going for.
3: His most popular song is hilarious because the whole song is him bitching about his fans to his fans being like, look, motherfuckers, you better spend a lot of money on merchandise because this song that I'm singing right now is is going to mean like if, if the chick hears this song that I'm singing about her right now, she's totally gonna break up with me and I'll never get to sleep with her again. So I was like, <laughs> I'm doing this
2: for you, so you better buy my fucking merch.
1: So, so all right, Ed, what would you give this, hot or not?
2: I don't know, cause like I didn't dislike it, but I didn't love it. I guess that means I'd give it a not, but it's not a bad. It wasn't a bad song. I don't know if it's the best from that band. Uh, what do you? What about you? Uh, I'm
1: str- I'm just gonna say a not. It's just there. Like it's not bad. Yeah,
2: there were some but... musical bits I really liked. Like the like I said, the synth and the bass tone and the general structure was kinda neat, but I didn't like I said, I didn't like love it.
1: Yeah, no for sure. It's just for me it's like, yep, no, that's just emo music. Kinda not my thing, or I'm just not vibing with it. that's how it be. But all right, cool. All right, let me pause. Let's get the timestamps to get into the C A R and then freaking let's roll on. Yep. All right, Ed, play the song. It's now time for the C A R.
2: Okay, here we here we go. All right. So cool. now Bode
1: Steel. Tell us about the Black Album. Yes. Seem like you would be the most most informed on this thing.
3: Yeah. So I actually I think the Black Album was the first metal record that I actually owned. I got it in a someone put it in my Halloween bag when I was trick or treating. When I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah.
1: No. Homeboy (laughs) was just passing out fucking Metallica albums on Halloween. That's pretty badass. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: So in Morro Bay, one of my parents' uh, uh, waiters that worked at my restaurant. His name's Robert. He's favorite band in the world is Tool. He's big metalhead or whatever. And I went to his house trick-or-treating and obviously, you know, he knew it was me and everything. So he put the Black album uh, in my bag. Uh, And then I swear to you, and this isn't even childhood amnesia, the next day, uh, I woke up for school and I put the album on and I was listening to to the first two songs. I'm like, holy shit. And I swear to you, I I, I I fucking faked being sick that day. So that way... So you can hang out and listen, listen to Metallica. The and listen to the Black album. Yep. I remember, I remember it remember clearest day because I was sleeping on this really shitty, like, torn-up uh, memory foam mattress that the dogs had all torn up and everything. And I just sat there, pretended to be sick. And then uh, at the time, my parents' restaurant was open for uh, uh, brunch, so they left. And I just sat there and I cracked that album like all day long so yeah no i i think i think the black album was good uh was was a was my entry point obviously being a wrestling fan and all that you hear metal like you know as a kid everywhere and stuff but as far as like kid like consuming an entire record from front to back i think the black album was was my
2: first well, we're specifically on Enter Sandman right now. What are your thoughts on Sandman? Well, I
1: was about to say if you want to give an actual synopsis on this record, on like its significance, an introduction. Why is this a classic album? man? This
2: is a classic album because this was um, this album is important for a couple reasons. Uh, the long and short of it is, is um, this album catapulted Metallica into the stratosphere. Um, it came out the same year as, um, which obviously we'll be revealing in
1: the fucking documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
2: um, this came out in, um, excuse 91. me, 91. This came out in 91, the, um, the same year as, uh, Nevermind, I believe, right? Yep. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, and which was also the same year as, uh, Blood, Six, Sugar, Rot, Chili Pepper. So everyone's all like, oh, Nirvana killed Mel. But this uh, this album not only had, had lasting killed, stay. It just killed Butt Rock. Yeah. This album not only had a lasting impact for Metallica and solidified their legacy as one of the fucking metal bands, it also, in a lot of ways, uh, helped make. Um, bring metal into the 90s and the mainstream. Every metal band in existence was trying to copy Metallica after this record. Ah, uh, For
1: sure. So since we're already at the solo, I think we should start getting to a review of the songs. Yeah. So, Ed, you go first so you can give Bone Steel a general idea.
2: Yeah. So, basically, um, this is a song that I kind of wish I got tired of because I've heard it so many times, but, ah, dude, I love this song. It's just, it's catchy. It's uh, It's catchy. It's hooky. You know, the riff. It's iconic. The music video too is great. I was really, uh, I I, ju- I just think it's awesome. Uh, what about what say you guys?
1: All right, well, I'll go. Well, you need to give your number rating. What right. would you give it
2: for for its legacy? I, or I, just I, the song
1: itself? What I do you want, rate this? I want out of ten.
2: I gave it a, I gave it a nine, bro. All right, I love it.
1: So for me, I wrote down, bro, this is some high level catchy shit. I'll give it a light nine out of ten. Yeah, dog. I feel like there's a little bit more legendary, like. Metallica songs, but this is very, very up there. How about you, Bode Steel? How would you rate this song? How would you break down this song?
3: I'm also gonna give it a nine out of ten because it's it's not my favorite on the record, but it's right there and easily you can't have a better opener on a record than "Understand Man. It sets it sets the page almost better than any other song on, on a big record ever. Yeah, dude.
1: Is there a better opening song? Uh for sure. Next one, Sabba True. Oh,
2: Here's this hell. one's for you, Jake. Sabba true. Uh right, so tell us about tell us about this song, Jake. I know you like this song a lot.
3: I love this song. So probably my favorite heavy song of all time, Sabba True. Uh, I'm just gonna come out as this is a ten out of ten fucking <laughs> song. Um No, I think the Sabatrue, you know, to this day, is is probably Metallica's heaviest song, you know, production wise. And I remember as a kid hearing this for the first time, I I think my balls dropped to this song.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So I, I love it. Oh, sorry.
3: I, I, think, I, so I think, yeah, I, I legit, anytime, anytime I'm thinking like, man, I need to listen to something heavy. What am I going to put on?
1: You're going to put Savage on this one. Music. Yeah.
3: And I, I want to point out one thing. You got to give your flowers to someone who gets shit on all the time, which is Lars Ulrich. But...
2: So his oh, bro, we've been we've been we've been sucking Lars's dick this whole retrospect. But there's also
1: a lot of Lars, though. He, he does come off where it's like you kind of do deserve that shit. Oh, don't
2: get me wrong, you're right. But like, how do you just at the same time? How do you just not love the guy? The drum, oh no. the drums in Sandman and Sad but True are so they just feel so mighty. Like, and obviously the guitar and bass too. And that was their idea, but they're just big and boomy and just mm, meaty. And so was what we're, so this
1: big meaty song Sorry Boso, cut you off What would you rate it, Ed?
2: I gave it an 8 Um, I do love this song In fact, I think it might almost be better Than Sandman in some ways And I know I said I gave Sandman uh, the 9 for Legacy But this song's a very strong 8 I mean, bro The 1-2 combo of Sandman into this Like, you, put, you we were listening to this on the way up to Boso's And we're like, fuck dude, this is rad Alright, you all right, So for me,
1: I wrote down Alright, the song is so heavy, but it's also super fucking catchy. And honestly, these lyrics are really great. Yeah. Like, you can't deny, like, I feel like for sure on this record, like, with James, he's a really, really good lyric. lyricist. Yeah, He's able to put together words in an awesome way that you, for sure you remember... For fucking ever, I give it a high eight out of ten because I feel like Sandman's just a little bit on a different level. Yeah, it is. Like at times with this song, I will want to skip it because it's like, all right, it's a little slow and I'm and it can put me in a could put me to sleep because I get a little bored. But I give it a high out of I gave a high eight out of ten. fair to me. Right. Let's move yeah, on
2: to three. I, oh, yeah. I think up? it's
3: I think it's important to also like mention like it's a great example of keep it simple, stupid. Like the uh, the uh, the, uh, the snare. Uh, Fill out the beginning of the song. The fact that Lars is channeling Bonham, so to speak, you know, throughout, especially in this song. Great example of how something simple can, like, turn out so good.
2: Agreed. All right, next one, Ed. Is Holier Than Thou. So, this song's kind of funny. I'll bring it up again in the review, but uh, Bob Rock wanted this to be the first single. And I'm like... No, uh, this is a good song. It is a good song. I think the song's, this song's only fault is it comes right after Sandman and Sabatru. So you could, you can feel a drop, you know, you can feel a drop, uh, but it's still really good. I gave it a light seven. Maybe it's a strong six instead, but, um, it starts off kind of whatever, but, uh, verse, (coughs) uh, verse, chorus, Um, And the bridge area, like, it's all really solid, stupid catchy, of course. Uh, But, yeah, light seven, strong six, maybe. All right, so for me,
1: I just wrote down, oh, hey, look, they're getting a little faster now. Usually Metallica, with the last, like, three albums, they had the thing where it's like, all right, they're going to open up with a fast banger of a song, then a mid-paced one. This would have been the very super heavy one. But here they put a little faster song. But still really stupidly catchy. yeah I give it a high seven out of 10. maybe it can reach the eight, eight territory maybe, because it's just a little there's a little energy to this song it's oh, a yeah, very yeah. exciting. What do you think of this one? Good for Bo Uh,
3: I'm gonna give the song a six out of 10. obviously I I more towards the, the tempo songs but it's a great song. it's just um, I question the placement. Uh, I
1: well, interrupt- coming out from like here's the thing, like Sandman, it's like a good mid pace, yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's good mid pace headbanger. The True is, like super superly really heavy. So I feel like coming up with a little bit more a little speed and energy though. I feel it's a good spot.
3: Yeah, well, I th- I just think that a lot of albums, and it's not just the Metallica thing at the time. It like existed throughout this whole decade. Were very front loaded, and then and we'll get to that, but. Uh, polar than that, it's a great song and everything. Um, but yeah, I I, I wonder if uh, if number three is where uh, it should have been.
1: Um, this is me, this is track number three.
3: No, 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 exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'm wondering if that's where it, it should have been. Part of me almost thinks that it would have made more sense ramping it up, at, you know, and, t- and having it and Sabbath
2: True uh, switch places, but. Uh, other that, great. Song. This after Sandman, hmm.
1: I feel like this after Sad definitely gives it a little bit more in place, like, accentuates the song a little bit more in placement. I'm yeah, just yeah. saying, like, unless you had this, like, start the record, it wouldn't be half bad, and then go into Sandman and then Sad But True. Yeah. But now it's time for the fourth song ballad. Yeah. yeah. All right, Bone Steel. I'll let you tell us about The Unforgiven. Bone Steel. So-
3: to me, the Unforgiven is uh, the strongest lyrical work on the album. Mm. The whole con, the whole concept of James, you know, talking about basically how dudes are just, you know, how they start, how they're born, and then how they fucking end up at, at the end. Yeah, uh, I think it's also probably—I don't know if experimental is the word—but this is like, to me, this has been continuing a lot of what they did on Injustice and stuff, like really bringing in you know these these really intricate like acoustic and you know clean guitar parts and uh just doing it and also the fact that they flip-flop you know usually you have a very quiet verse going into a heavy chorus and doing this complete oh yeah right where where you have a a a heavy verse going into a light uh uh chorus Mm -hmm. is pretty unique and i don't think you see a lot of that today. also uh, my favorite solo of all time is, is the Unforgiven solo I just think oh, the I'm one Bob that Rock
2: game. bullied out of Kirk exactly. oh yeah it was just like a whole session <sighs> yeah, we'll yeah. get to that in the documentary yeah, so I like yeah. this oh yeah sorry oh, Jake yeah. what would you rate it yeah what do you rate this song give a 9 out of 10 9 out of 10 I gave this an eight. It's definitely an eight. This song is, which fun fact, I believe it's either this song or the next song, but I know it's one of them. This is a uh, brother Javier's uh, favorite uh, song off this record, and maybe favorite Metallica song. So shout out to Javi. But this is uh, this is just a good this is a good song. It's not a straightforward power ballad. I'm um, oh, sorry, not a straightforward ballad. It is definitely a power ballad. It uh, it feels like a logical evolution for what they built with uh, Fade to Black and. Um, uh, sanitarium. sanitarium, yeah, and then one, and then yeah, with and the uh, parts of one, of course. Uh, I just think it's great. It's gr- it's just very solid. So I, I stand by my eight. I think it's
1: safe to say Metallica has written some really good ballads. Yeah. So I wrote down yes, it's the fourth song ballad, still yeah. continuing the formula of like Metallica these past couple of records, but with this one, it was definitely more of a cinematic piece oh, as yeah. a ballad because obviously it just feels like. At times, it sounds like a movie score. It's pretty fucking huge. And then, yeah, no, the songwriting is just super top tier. But I give it an 8 out of 10. I don't <laughs> know if it's a 9. It can be a 9. We can say a high 8 out of 10. We can be a little lenient and go there. But for sure, it's an 8 out of 10. All right, next one, in.
2: Okay, uh, Jake, Wherever I May Roam. All right, intro of this song. Okay, so... <laughs> So uh, this is this is Brother Javi's also his other favorite song. This I love this song. I I what I like about the song is I like how Like obviously all the songs feel big because of production. Fucking yeah, production
1: wise huge. Like the production the production on this record holds up to today. Oh yeah. Sometimes it's even better than today. Shit.
2: Oh yeah. Tbh, but I like. but I li- this 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 scope of this song just feels so big and wide. Like when I was a kid and I heard this for the first time, I felt like I was going on a journey with it. Now, I will say, because you pointed this out, Jake, I don't know how you'll feel about this. When we were driving up to your place and the song came on, James thought that the, that the song riff-wise kind of lifted from uh, Enter Sandman a bit. Um, but I love this song personally. I gave it another eight. Another eight. I don't care. Uh, I just think it's great. What about you? Uh, for me... I think
1: the song's still super catchy and it sounds huge. And with obviously all the weird percussions that like accentuating Lars's kit, that's the this record is also really great on just a lot of fun production tricks. Yeah. But at times though, it comes off as the vibe as like a Sandman knockoff. Obviously it's the band that wrote Sandman. But I'll give it a seven out of ten. Still really good and really fucking catchy. How about you, Bone Steel?
3: Uh, when I first heard the the record for the first time, I think wherever my, I may roam was my favorite song off of it. Once again, keeping it simple, they knew they had the best sounding snare ever up until that point. You know, for <laughs> for a
2: rock band. Bob and Rock, you know, baby. Yeah,
1: was, you know it was a total trip. Even seeing how the snare is all mic'd up, I don't know what it was <laughs> on the bottom, but it looked like it definitely was an, a bit a bigger open face, large condenser set sideways on the snare. It wasn't no, like but-
3: that they boarded up the room with two by fours and everything they they knew how to accentuate that snare they knew that they had like one of the best sounding snares ever so let's just make a lot of the fills and everything snare centric um yeah great rip and then also that um the tricks that they used with the bass like those big bass hits you dude know, we're uh,
1: gonna do we're gonna be talking about that in the fucking documentary
3: Great shit. Uh, I would give a. I'm also gonna go eight out of ten. I think it's one of the strongest songs on on the record. So
1: definitely for me, as like a song, I don't know if this is like was it, uh, was this like definitely a leading single.
2: It was one of the singles. Uh, I, believe, sure. I know that. Uh, I don't remember the. I don't remember the order the singles were released except that Sandman was first.
1: All right. So next one, track six. Don't tread
2: on me. So I like the song quite a lot. I just. It's, it's heavy, but it's not like Sabbath true heavy. It's like upbeat, catchy kind of heavy. And the cor- the chorus and uh, uh, Kirk's waz and stuff during like uh, like the post-chorus shit. I just really enjoy this one. Um, I gave it to If the Riffle fucking come in. But I gave this one a light seven. I, I enjoy this one. How about you, Bone Steel? All
3: right. This is where we're going to differ. I'm going to come in and I'm going to give it a four. Uh, what well, the fuck?
2: Yeah. <laughs> favorite it. favorite heavy album of all time, guys.
3: Hey, every every album has one. Uh, I don't like don't credit on me it's not my favorite. It's my least favorite song on on the whole record. Uh, I'm just not a big fan of bluesy metal and you know stuff that follows that 12 step, you know. Uh, well, good you thing know. you're not going to be
2: here when we review the lows. <laughs>
3: I, I'm just I, yeah. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, of bluesy metal. I think blues should be blues and metal should be metal. Um, that being said, it's not a bad song, but it just doesn't. It doesn't do anything for me, and it's fucking also like the whole "Don't tread on me" is, is a whole other thing.
2: That I think. <laughs> it's, yeah, like obviously that's pretty cringy. Well, yeah. James Hetfield's a gum bro. He went. He went hunting. Oh, All
1: yeah, we time. see it in the documentary. He's, like, off, like, I'm a vent, and goes out and just shoots shit Ma- in the middle of the Maybe fucking that's, desert. Uh,
2: Countdown to Extinction, the title came, or the song came from, like, because uh, it was, I, it's believed to be, because Hepfield was a fan of that uh, controlled hunting thing where they kind of, like, release the hounds and shit. He was a big fan of that, so that's him.
0: To me,
3: this is the kind of song that, like, pumps up, like, you know those dudes when there's, like, a riot or a protest in, and, like, in fucking downtown North Carolina? yeah. They get all their boys together like, let's go down and defend the motherfucking liquor store. Oh, you
0: talking
2: got- five-finger death punch fans? Yeah,
3: yeah I, I just feel like this is the song that good old boys use to pump themselves up before they go and get into someone's business who, like, you know, isn't their <laughs> business. So, it's just, it's not for me. I like, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not my, uh, I'm not in the demographic that gets pumped up by the song.
1: <laughs> but at so. the point where you're like, all right, it's a four. <laughs> Usually when we give fours, songs start offending us yeah, a little we, bit. Yeah, we
2: started calling them fuck you fours. Thanks, yeah. Skid Row. For the what the most, were your thoughts? Uh, so for me, this was low-key, like,
1: one of my first favorite Metallica songs. Because <laughs> it's just like, dude, it's a super fucking catchy chorus. Wow. This is the and I like the about. verse I like the verse riff, like a, dun, 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 like that riff. Yeah, yeah. I vibe with this so hard. And I remember always listening to this song on repeat while watching a freaking like old YouTube freaking uh, music video being like synced up with like highlight shots from Final Fantasy 7 movie as Advent <laughs> Children.
2: Like literally, that was like you shit. You jammed out to of- this while Cloud fought Sephiroth? Yeah,
1: and that shit. Then find that giant fucking beast. Yeah, I dude. give it a 7 out of 10. I don't hate the song. I think the song's really good. Obviously, it, can't, it does sound a little fillery, but fuck, dude. We've heard way worse filler. Oh, yeah. Unless you're It's like, Bo Steel's like a fuck you four on this one, so... <laughs>
2: it's not, not my jam.
1: It's not your jam, but I, I vibe with it. Now, is it my favorite Metallica song these days? No. Now, what we got here?
2: Here we have uh, Through the Never, the song so cool that they named a movie after it. And the song's not even in the movie. It's in the live album, though. So, uh, on my thing here, I have a seven for it. This is... An, I know it's... I... <laughs> I know it's filler, but you know it's it's more it's a little faster, a little adrenaline flowing. Uh, yeah, I just think I just think it's just another good song. I just think it's another good song. What about you?
1: Uh, for me, I think this gets a little. It definitely feels like filler, but this verse riff here, I think it's really tight. It sounds like a riff from like "Injustice for All." Low key, this song mm. kind of sounds like it comes off from "Injustice" a little bit. I could see that. But compared to songs off Injustice for All." At least we're getting to the fucking point. <laughs> we didn't wait like two minutes for them to get to this Not riff. Two
2: minutes of build up.
1: And then like, here's the, it's like all slow and then like steps up. As I said, there's a little, there's a little, I like the good like pacing where it like steps up in tempos and stuff. So, you know, I give it a light seven out of 10. How about you, Bones? So what do you think of through the uh, never?
3: I'm going go to go six, uh, six out of 10. Uh, once again, good song the uh the intro the intro riff is sick I I love how uh they slow down during the verse and kind of go into that half time on the uh on the drums and everything but nothing to write home about um you know it, it's a good song but it, it gives me filler vibes
1: yeah I but also just it. feels like an injustice song also you're all yeah, well
3: muffled
1: no who what's up did you say the song's kind of muffled Jake.
3: Where'd
1: you go? Yo, where'd you go? Where'd you go?
3: You're all muffled.
1: We're all muffled? Yo, can, yeah. you, can you hear me better, better now? No. Well, I got the phone up in the air, so...
2: Should I just keep going? Just keep going. Okay. Alright, so... Here we go. Well, what ba- song is it, Ed? It's Ballad Time, everyone. It's Nothing Else Matters. Jake, what's your thoughts on this one? Yo, Bo Still, what's your thoughts on... Nothing else matters. Yeah, yeah I can't really
3: matters. hear you. All I heard was "yo, bone steal.
1: Yo, bone seal How about "nothing else matters"? What you think? All right, there you go. There you go. What you do different? Uh, trying to yell directly on my phone. And not in the mic. Yeah, I don't have my mic in front of me. How about now? Can you hear me a little? I right, see
3: so you keep going back and forth.
1: See, I don't know if there's interference with the mic. So.
3: All right. M- nothing else matters. What you think? Eight out of ten. Great. Uh, it's a it's a sick song and it's the most I think it's the most experimental on the album. I think it's a big ball move for a manly uh, metal band to you know try to be soft and you know appease
1: the ladies. All right, Ed, what do you think of the song?
2: Yeah, I gave it. Um, what I give it here? I gave it. Uh, I gave it an eight. Uh, I think it's a great ballad. Um, Elton John. I told you this, but for the view for the listening audience. Elton John went on record when they did the remaster holy shit package for this like a year or whatever ago. Elton John said this is either the or one of the most beautiful songs he's ever heard. And that's Elton and that's uh, Elton John saying that. So I think that's a pretty good feather to have in your cap. Um, Yeah, no, I just think it's really solid. What about you?
1: Uh, So for me, I wrote down another
2: ballad, super cinematic, huge, eight out of ten like i I forgot i wrote here in my notes i was like fuck every rose has its thorns as far as like ballads go oh
1: well fuck (laughs) that's such a b ballad compared to the shit that's on here that's true all right next one
2: next we have uh oh i love this song uh of wolf and man uh yo can you hear us yeah all right cool so jake tell us what do you think about of wolf and man
3: I want to
2: start the next song. So you start this one. Ah, right, you start this one, Ed. So I like this one. I know it's an off. Sing- I know it's a not single. and I know it's probably filler, <clears throat> but it, this is another song. I'm gonna steal a phrase from James. It's stupidly catchy, especially uh, especially like just the first and that chorus. You know, shape shift. It's just good. I honestly gave this one an eight. Uh, who wants to go next?
1: Oh, well, I'll just wrote. I'll just go. I'm pretty quick. I wrote down. Yeah, not gonna lie. The song's kind of filler. It's good. I guess it's catchy, but it kind of makes me cringe at times. It's low key, kind of just a total meme song. Because as <laughs> you were telling me, the history of like a wolf and man. All right, oh, both yeah. Steel. How about you? What do you think of a wolf and man?
3: Uh,
1: I'm gonna go six. Uh, uh, good
3: song. Uh, like it has a real nasty riff at the beginning, which I like, and I I think that the verse is good, but. You know, it, you're going up against some heavy hitters on this album, and I just don't think that it it, it reaches, uh, you know, the the standouts.
1: All right, next one. Oh yeah,
2: sorry, I thought I had more to say. Hell, Ooh. next yeah. is, next is uh, the God That's failed. You so- want
3: to talk about fucking heavy? <clears throat> just bash your head in the fucking wall and commit felonies.
2: <laughs> <Just> what? <talk. laughs> bash your head in and then commit felonies.
3: Exactly. I, I like to call these like felony riffs, like something so heavy it makes you want to do illegal things. I think that this song is a great example of like you know how they use bass on the album. Even the intro is just bass and drums and it just hits so fucking hard. I think that this is the heaviest song on the album outside of Sad But True. And the uh, I'm a sucker for like, you know, just <coughs> mid-tempo caveman music, so I'm gonna give this one a nine out of ten. Holy
1: fuck holy
2: fuck.
3: Yep. Yep.
2: Alright then, how about you? I gave it a six. Alright. Wow. Now oh, uh, Jake's about to commit uh, a felony. Listen. Oh yeah, Jake. <laughs> Jake's going to commit felony on me. So, listen, I respect the song, especially the subject matter. This is James uh, talking about, like, literally the lyrics are about how, uh, see, his parents were Christian scientists, and his mom was battling cancer. And instead of going to the doctor, you know, it's power of prayer stuff. And she passed away, obviously. So that's what the song is about. And I feel bad only giving it a six. But I don't know. It's just, like, Whenever I listen to this album for the first eight or nine songs, I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm here. But the song coming on, I don't know, it just always kind of lost me. I just, I think it's good. Obviously, it's a good song. But I just never thought it was amazing. So that's why I gave it a six.
1: So, yeah, right now listening to it, it was a little bit better mm-hmm. when you and I were, like, hanging out doing our notes for this. Yeah. Like, it's very catchy, but to me, it feels very filler, which I'm sorry to have field as this is a very, like, heart- well, heartfelt song for your mom. But at time it just kind of feels very fillery, so I gave it a six out of (laughs) ten. All right, next one. I know Jake's about to commit felonies on this podcast. I was waiting to see what
2: Jake would say next. Oh, now here's now here's a good one. Uh, My friend, uh, it's called uh, "My Friend of Misery." I gave this one a seven. The music is good, like it's solid, but bro, that chorus—that's—it's just—it's so good. That's pretty much all I got to say about it. It's just—it's a good one. This is another one where. uh, Bases is the intro it's it's really good all right it's, it's, yeah here's the thing so ed's gonna commit
1: a felony on me because i think the song has potential but it ends up just <coughs> being filler i'll give it a high five out of 10
2: Five out of ten
1: yeah i said a high oh okay it could be like a low six sure if you want to be political but i didn't like the chorus i wrote down bro this chorus sucks Ed's gonna shoot me in the face now. My
2: friend of Misery! Oh, yeah, it's I, so good!
1: How about you, Boatsteel? Be you the tiebreaker. Yeah, Ed, all right, Boatsteel, you vibing?
3: Six. Uh, the fuck except, you! It, it's got a good intro. I like the bass and I like that, you know, it's, it's unique, but it just kind of drags, like here, and not in a good way. Usually, you know, that true, and I think God that failed. Like keep a pretty. Good yeah, pitch. I just realized and
1: the song's why, almost seven minutes, and that's why I also said the song has potential. Mm-hmm. That's why I meant like this part of the song is like you know what the song has potential to be a fucking banger, but I don't know why. I just can't vibe with it. Look, I, it, it's it's the
3: longest
2: song on the album, and it feels like it. Yeah, <laughs> after everything little, being straight to the point, a little bit of trivia. Um, just because we're the last song is next. The last song, this one, I think. Uh, this one, and then um, like God that failed, and I think it's either it's either holier than thou or Wolf and Man. Those they never played those songs live ever until they did the whatever thing was where they played all the songs yeah. live. Uh, so. It's funny because the next song, um, the last song, they- Struggle Within here. Uh, sorry, Jake, I'll let you go in a sec. I was just going to say, Metallica apparently agreed with you, James. All this, Pretty much every song that you thought in this record, like, yeah, it's kind of filler, it's whatever. They literally don't or never played. So I just think that's funny. Now, Struggle Within. Uh, oh, wait, sorry, Jake, you were going to say something. Uh, they played
3: the god that failed uh, live in the
2: 90s. Okay I, okay, I knew there was one that they kind of did, but uh, anyway... I think
3: it
2: was maybe through the never they didn't play live. Okay, but um, anyway. Uh, but oh, it's hard. Anyways, yeah, go on the last
3: one. Yeah,
2: struggle you. within. Um, it's fine. I don't know if I would end the record on this. I gave I wrote on my notes a six. Uh, maybe that's too low or too whatever. But yeah, I think it's okay. And again, I like the chorus, you know. And this one's a little up tempo in places. But yeah, it's only a six to me. All right, so for me I totally forgot
1: what to write about this song but I just <laughs> listened to it on my I kind of just don't vibe with it I think it's just kind of just like by the numbers a little boring so that's why I gave it a five out of 10 but I literally if you wanted to see my notes I wrote down I forgot to write because I totally just spaced on the song which isn't really good how about you both Steele tell us how you well, what do you think the final song is like?
3: Well, the intro sounds like it's something out of like a '90s Power Rangers episode. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> um, to me, this is this is like the 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 uh, good brother of "Don't Tread on Me," where it's just like, okay, uh, the it feels fillery, but like in a good way. I like it. I'm gonna give it a set. I'm gonna give it a seven. This is a Dave Portnoy score right here. I'm
2: going to give it like a 7.2. So not a high seven, but barely.
1: So a
3: light seven. A light
2: seven. Light, uh, a light seven. So I
1: usually rate my shit Fantano style, where he's like either like a heavy something or a light something number.
2: I used to do point fives and whatever, but I was like, nah, you know, I'll just keep things simple and do a James's. Mostly because since I actually calculate my score, I didn't want to have to juggle all that math.
3: Well, I used to say Portnoy's score, and I'm going to say that the song's good, but it's got a little bit of flop. You know, it's a little greasy. Uh, it's not the song I would the end the cool. album on, and uh, I, think this, I think this song, though, live would be fun.
2: Probably. All right.
1: Uh, so, overall on this record. So, out of a score of. Well, a- you could continue playing the record. Oh, okay.
2: We kind of stopped now, it would just be awkward. So. Out of a score of 120, because, you know, Jake, we rate the songs out of a score of 1 to 10, uh, I got, uh, this album from me got an 89, which is a pretty high fucking score. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this album is just really fucking good. It's solid. I think that's the best word to describe it's this a, record. It's solid.
1: It's a super solid record and coming off from Injustice, yeah. which is kinda like one of their low points. And when they push the when they push the point of being Riff Soup and free and um just like trying to like go in that prog direction that maybe if Metallica was to continue with Cliff with this record, like they went straight to the point. Way more simple, way more easier to indulge, in awesome songwriting. But twelve songs is a little brutal. Mm-hmm. I feel like if they took some of the filler songs, maybe just went Injustice or fucking Master Puppets on the riff yeah. souping, you would have like a way sicker record overall, and finish it off at like eight or nine. Yeah, but, like twelve yeah. songs is a little brutal.
2: I think eight to ten works really good for Metallica. Like
1: I'm, I'm like I'm fine with Metallica still wanting to do like a fucking epic. Still want to do their epic. There's no reason for them not to. And there's little touches of that. But here's the thing, though. I think with this record, this is like this peaked. They went to one extreme and then they went to the next extreme of like just going straight to the point, simple yeah, songwriting. Yeah. Now, the question is after this record, where does Metallica go? Well,
2: it's fun. Well, really and quick, that's
1: what we'll find out next week.
2: Yeah, before, really quick before Jake gets, you know, I did say, uh, eight to 10 songs works for Metallica, I think. And I do agree with that, but it's funny because I really like low, Below it has 14. That's brutal. It's the longest record too. It's like 79 minutes, but oh yeah, my God, more than hardwire. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's longer, it's longer than hardwire and it's longer than, and justice for all by like six minutes. But, some of the songs in there are really good
1: okay Justice for All yes those songs are just like fucking epics yeah they're that, all epics that kind of suck but it's Riff Soup it's yeah. I feel like, a, like this one a lot of the riffs do work in with each other yeah. but I feel like we could get it like an attempt to do a master Mm -hmm. where like an injustice for all like on those last couple songs it's like you know what there's potential i think if they like compressed them worked on, like focused out like maybe two other songs try to do like hey let's like jam out something like we would do like old school style yeah i feel like this record would have been super killer but oh well that's oh well uh jay closing thoughts
2: on the black album
3: i'm gonna give it it's, I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten. That's that's how I'm gonna score nine out of ten, just because I personally don't believe that there is a perfect record out there. Uh, there's always gonna be something that can be better, um, and I don't think
1: like I have a our- feeling you
3: could
2: do perfect EPs if oh, like exactly.
1: you have like the fucking like just four to six songs of pure. If Metallica
2: banger. did EPs, they'd be the best band well, ever. Well, they did EPs. I mean, well- but I mean, like after like 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 if like if they took like. Like, Side A of Ride the Lightning. Side A of Master of Puppets. And those were EPs. Oh, bro. I'm mm. going to say,
1: like, if they just did, like, the seven or eight songs of Pure Bangers off this one, yeah, definitely... Maybe a higher-rated rock classic.
3: Easy. I'm just saying, if if perfection is a is is ten out of ten on every single song, then I think it's almost impossible. To have a That's impossible. Yeah, that is. Jer- Jericho does these perfect record like podcasts all the time, and I think in the seven eight years of him doing it, like they've never had an actual like perfect record. There's always one song or something that just kind of takes it out. I will say this though. I don't think that there are any metal records that are better than the black album. I think that the black album is about as good as you can get. And I don't think any bands like have, have bands made albums as good. Yes, but better. No. Uh, and the black album to me just uh, accentuates like the biggest and best era of Metallica, like which, you know, you get into with the documentary and you can see it. And I just think that anyone that disagrees is, uh, well, uh, when it when it comes down to like the bigness of this record is wrong. I mean, you can <laughs> you can argue opinion, but you can't argue fact. And the oh fact yeah, the yeah, fact
1: yeah, is the just,
2: fact remains.
1: Yeah, just like sitting there when like the record like didn't like when the record come out like just a couple months it come out it was already like nine million records sold.
2: Yeah, and to this day... a third of uh, Poison's discography.
1: Well, yeah, in like two months, <laughs> a couple months while they're out on tour. Yeah. Metallica is and- selling over 9
2: million copies. And you don't see Lars going like, hey, everybody, um, it's Lars here from Metallica. Um, 200 billion records sold. Billion? I know it's not billion. I I, I don't know. Man.
1: Yeah. How, wait, Boatstil, what's the metrics? Do you know, like, off the top of your head how much this record sold? Last time uh, you checked.
2: It's got to be around, like, 20 million. Oh, uh, uh I can actually find out right here. I got the Wikipedia page. I want please to please
1: tell me this one record's able to beat all the records sold by Poison. Well, please give me
2: this. Give me a win.
3: it's the best. It's the best-selling metal album of all time.
2: Well, I'll tell you this: in America alone, in the United States, seven as of, as of right now, seventeen million
1: has sold. Okay, in this country Not worldwide,
2: alone. yeah, yeah, uh, like Canada. I'm just gonna re off some big ones. Canada, a million. Germany, two million. Uh, what's another one? You the UK six hundred thousand just to give you an idea, but uh, in total, but in total uh, it, it doesn't say I'd have to crunch numbers, million. but you know what I th- I believe Jake is re- actually, yeah no it's over twenty million it's not thirty million it, yet but it is over twenty.
3: I don't know I'm looking at a billboard chart right now it says it says worldwide, international is thirty million.
2: Oh shit okay
1: damn it does not be all of like Poison's discography. By, it's
2: short by like ten
1: million. Yeah, I know. The one re- <laughs> you Kim know, like, Metallica's one record, be able to beat all of poison. It's close though. No, yeah, yeah. You can't even there, say.
3: There is though. Here's this: if you count streaming as equivalent albums, then it then it uh, it says right here a uh, forty-eight point five million.
1: All right, but that that's, beats poison. But that's well, we have to now calculate poison streams too. Ah oh, shit,
2: you're
1: right. Yeah. So it wouldn't it wouldn't wouldn't win unless no one's listing the poison, then thank God there's a God in this world. Dude,
2: I told you I see Zoomers coming into my store. Store? My store Store. with poison shirts. We're talking like between sixteen and twenty. It's fucking bizarre. Bizarre. My closing thoughts on Black Album would would just be, and I'll try to keep this quick, I think it just perfectly encapsulates a moment in time, and I think one of the reasons why the production of this record stands well is because a lot of, not all, but a lot of metal bands, even ones that we like personally or mutually, they just don't sound like this, this big, this open. My issue with and I know I like, I know, I've definitely still have more of a soft spot for metal compared to James, but my issue with metal as it gets older is that you know unless it's one of the like lesser known subgenres or whatever there's this real big uh, focus on crisp and tightness and perfectly on time and these clicky clacky just oh, no yeah. life drums
1: and, yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying like the production off this record is like so fucking good plus unlike, like, it's, it's like dude it holds up even today plus unlike
2: Rick Rubin Bob Ross knows Bob Ross Bob, 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 R- Bob Ross yeah Bob Rock knows how to mix a record there's a part in the documentary where they're like oh yeah this this album's gonna be like one or two decibels. But like, you look at like Rick Rubin or most country music, and it's like negative 11 and shit. And it's like, what the fuck?
1: Okay, those are some extreme
2: numbers. Those are extreme, but that's but it's between negative eleven, and negative seven. What? But Rick Rubin records are usually a, somewhere between a, a negative eight and a negative six. Like that's why Death Magnetic sounds good songs, but that's why a lot of it sounds so shitty, especially when Lars does a lot of snare rolls because it's so. Uh, compressed but yeah that's one of the reasons i think this record besides of course the songs is just the production metal records don't sound like this and that's one of the reasons i think it's great
1: but that's the thing also you don't have metal bands these days putting in the time to do a record like this yeah
2: no time no effort to to really create and push because you know metal fans put in your head like oh because i know opinions change now but metallica did this and especially with the loads, people are like no, don't expand or change your style or taste. Don't experiment. Make the same thing over. And we made a point to talk about that. If they kept going the cliff route, which we might as well just call it the cliff route, and kept going Prague Talica, honestly, there's no way Metallica would be as big as they were.
1: But that's the thing about this record, I will say. I feel like where do they go from here? That's the question where it's like, all right, dude, you might have hit the spot spot.
2: I don't think they knew either. That's why the next record didn't come out for five years. That's the thing. Like when we watch <laughs> the
1: documentary, when you get into the main event, which I don't know if we should just stop right now. Let me get a timestamp and then go into the well, main event. I'll
3: finish event. your thing. Oh, hold hold
1: we'll
2: on. That. Oh, okay. I, just
3: want out too, I want to point out too. That like, think about this. Metall- the Black Album literally was in the top 10 Billboard 200 like last year. Which means, like you know, for a week it was one of the top ten selling, and it never, like, it never leaves the chart. So you gotta put the stick oh, on the that's black. That's right.
2: Album it's kind of like Dark Side of the Moon. It's always on there.
3: People talk about timeless albums, but like the Black Album is the most timeless metal album of all time. Like, it is
1: time. It is. I will timeless. agree with that. And there's yeah. part of it though too. There's like as said, if you cut a couple songs, maybe Metallica went like wrote some old school style songs. You might have had, like, maybe, like, almost a perfect record. Yeah, yeah. Let's out, take out some of the filler or so. Or at least take the filler and maybe write just a couple more, like, you know, B-level bangers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, all right, let me. right. We're going to take a quick break so I can piss, grab a liquid death, and then we're going to hop into the main event. All right, listeners. It's now time for the main event. It's anyone that just decided to jump from the timestamps. All right, Ed. Tell us what we watched today.
2: We watched the first part of a year and a half, uh, a year and a half in the life of Metallica, which it's a two-part thing. We only watched the first part because we can't pro- find the second part, and, and it's because it focuses on the recording of the Black Album. Which yeah, it's just a
1: little about. bit more, a little bit more interesting. But this documentary literally opens up with the title scream. Title screen of a freaking people working in a foundry forging hot metal and thus making a big old beefy Metallica sign. Yeah, what do you got? Any comments on how this documentary started? I thought
2: <laughs> Okay, I I wrote here in my notes. So I'm like, dude, this is fucking metal. Literal, uh, literally, literally. literally. Uh, yeah, no, I thought it was kind of, I thought it was like ridiculous, but in a good way. Now I'm like, oh, this is stupid because it's like you said, they're literally just. Uh, they're really just making the band's, like, logo. So and then, I'm like, okay. And then after the logo,
1: we now see fans just lining up, all these rabid fans, as we get the Black, alb- black Album and just, like, all these people marking out, yeah, a new fucking Metallica record. Like, yeah, whoa,
2: they're speaking real shit. Yeah, they're speaking real shit, dude. Metallica's, like, one of the best fucking bands. One guy said, I got a quote from someone, they said, um, I love wherever I may roam because even after you die, you can find a place. I'm like, all right. So, <laughs> it was like,
1: damn. Getting a lot of inspiration from the Italian. So
2: after that... We... Actually, yo, Bode
1: still. when was the last time you watched this documentary?
3: Uh, Beginning of the year.
1: Oh, shit. Oh, You're all like, nice. Well, okay, that was like... That was like 10 months ago.
3: Yeah. 11.
2: So... Uh, sorry, what?
3: I said, I'll take your lead.
2: I'll take him, you'll take the lead.
3: No, no, no! I'll take your lead. Uh, you just yeah, lead the way, and I'll and I'll sure.
1: Take- just so chime in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, we got the notes,
2: but don't now lo- after worry, we the- see all these fans marking out, I was gonna say, don't worry. The bar for guest host is pretty low, so you yeah. you catapulted over.
1: Yeah, it. you're you're the you're the top standard. You're the new gold standard. You're the gold standard. We can't say Dylan was any better. So Dylan <laughs> just came in, just like yeah. So all right, cool. I can't wait to be on the show. I was like, all right, Dylan, did you watch the episode? Wait, I was supposed to watch it? I thought we were gonna react to it. I thought we were just gonna sit here and react and it's just like Oh man. No what the fuck? Dude. Dial on, you piece of shit. And then literally it was just like dead air from Dylan. For like what, an hour and a half? Yeah. You got like six minutes of like talking from him. So that's it's pretty shitty I guess. But either way, ten months. Is this
3: the compilation with the tits?
1: Uh, uh with uh wait what? What <laughs>
3: Or no, I might be thinking of the live version, like, you know, where they open up with a, with a chick flashing the camera. See,
2: that no, might have been on the second this. half. That was probably second half. So either
1: way, now, 10 months earlier, somewhere in Hollywood, we see the boys are jamming out Sandman.
2: Maybe you've heard and of And
1: then, it. bro, that snare is all levels of fuck sounding in the room.
2: So, something I found funny, right? So, everyone is dressed in this shot. Everyone's dressed like normal and casual, right? But fucking Lars, I know it's for sweat, but he's got on this big old bandana and a Metallica t-shirt. I'm like, yes. So... And he's just wearing
1: the, like those teeny tiny shorts.
2: Dude, there was so much almost Lars nudity in this, in this thing. Yeah, you already see some Lars dick. So... So intercut with them practicing is them footage of recording the song and playing it live. Lars in a talking head with his amazing hair.
1: Yeah, just you got the Lars with the salon hair. You got the freaking like velvet colored like blouse the just first like, thing
2: he says the first thing out of his mouth and we were already memeing it when we came into the studio today he said there's just something about this project from day one we started writing sandman it just felt like a motherfucker when we started writing sandman it just felt like a motherfucker <laughs> Hetfield says all the songs we had were This record were quite a bit. His exact words were a bit more simple, more to the point. Oh,
1: yeah. Compared to fucking a justice. Fucking hell. Yeah. We
2: realized we needed more thickness in the sound, more muscle. And I wrote here. Oh, you mean you needed the bass? Yeah. So Kirk talks about the studio. They're recording it. He says they walked in in October, didn't walk out until May. So we see James and Bob Rock talking about song structure while like kirk riffs in the background and lars munches on a sandwich yep we switched to lars talking about how this record he said it's it's like this record it's like you're building a house it's like you're I'm, building a house i'm over here i'm banging away, well, banging but then away on the they're like banging away around me they're banging away around me and i went cool then we see bob who is a drums and soundscape kind of guy, telling Lars, hey, Lars, don't be so tricky on the hi-hat or pepper it up a bit. Give it some weight. And Lars says, if it's weight you're looking for, I'm your fucking man. It's like, weight you looking for? I'm your fucking
1: man. Yeah, see, I just know it was like we get shots of the members in like the interview room for the documentary is what I have. And then the next thing I got to is James and Bob are talking about the kid section in Sandman, breaking it down. yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, and then we got... Well, then I see, like, Lars is basically in underwear tracking drums, and then Bob's trying to coach Lars into the takes, or so I was like, hey, I want more pepper on it. Because that's the thing with this recording. They did a lot of just, like, punch-in recording, right? Even with the drums, too.
2: The drums especially, like, I don't know if anyone played it all the way through. Maybe Jason Nah, it's did. all punched in. But, but uh, Lars specifically, uh, they, they... I'll just say it now. They mention it later, but for Inner Sandman specifically... Every individual part of the song was recorded separate because Lars felt like no one take of a complete playthrough. And that's the
1: thing. But we also see with Lars like tracking, we see he's in the room with the other guys all mic'd up doing the song, too. So they're like playing the song on repeat.
2: Yeah. Uh, Laura says, I think we fessed up that we needed to bring someone, someone in. And the one guy whose name kept coming up was Bob Rock. So he flew over to Vancouver. Show him his footage of like a WW2 biplane. And uh, the vibe was there.
1: And the vibe was there. So, yeah, we see them meeting Bob Rock. And then Bob Rock's talking about himself as like he's showing his collection. Yeah. Bob Rock talks about tracking the subhumans and that one of the piece went to jail for anarchy because they blew up a facility and. And then they're yeah, like, no oh, deal. who else did you record by rock? It's like, oh, you got a little mootly crew over here.
2: Yeah. He also mentions bands like Twisted Sticks, The Dills, which I checked both of them and Subhumans out. I knew who Subhumans were, never listened to them. I know he did It's, just, it's just Yeah, it's just uh, it's just dad punk to the max degree. And he also mentions, uh, I also did Lover Boy, And then, yeah, there's they they have a big framed uh, vinyl of Dr. Feelgood. like, yeah, just mootly crew over here. James talks about how he has this A uh, track and that's where he keeps his riff library which Yeah, is well true. on
1: tour he was making various riffs yeah. on this A track he's been holding since like
2: 82. Kirk talks about how the main riff for Inner Sandman was something he wrote at 3 in the morning. And then we see footage of him rocking at 3 in the morning in a hotel room. He tells us Lars called me and Lars called me and he's like dude, sick Sandman riff with some advice for the tail end. Then Kirk talks about how James writes the music mostly and Lars is the arranger. And apparently, according to Hetfield, some of these songs have been around for a while, at least in title. He said Sandman was the longest at that point. And then this is one of the best parts of it right here. We see Lars in short shorts and a bright pink or lavender Metallica bathrobe rocking out to his own drums, headbanging and giving the horns. He's like, Arena Rock! Yeah! You feel it?
1: Yeah, yeah. We see like Lars going Arena Rock, then also inner shots of him tracking drums. You'll like sitting here just trying to think of like a new way to do some arena rock sound.
2: He's talking arrangements with with like Bob and Jason has a spot where he talks about how uh Bob Rock came in. They'd known him for like two days, and Bob started like policing James's riffs. Like No, no, they were talking about
1: like some dude coming in and trying to talk like Throwing music theory to Metallica. Oh, yeah. And, like, try to, like, give James, like, oh, maybe you should use, like, this scale. it's too much and James, e here. And then you
2: just see James going, nah. Yeah, he's apparently he's just glaring at him. And I wrote here, ha, Papa Heck got mad. So this next sequence is amazing. Oh, my God. James describes being in the studio as... Uh, he he likes to work during the day, but there's no window, so he can't really tell what time of day it is. Lars, though, likes to work at night. Then we cut the footage of Lars or hauling ass down the L.A. streets. Yeah, we just see Lars mobbing in his freaking like Porsche in the L.A. streets. He's like, woo! Yeah! Come on! Move, dickhead! <laughs> Move, dickhead! There's a part where Lars is like, he pulls a Scott Steiner, and he's like, you know, they, they have out these songs that say, don't drive here. But there's they, nothing really. They have really
1: these lines and they've laws to tell you not to drive here. But
2: there's nothing actually physically there to actually stop you from doing it. Yeah, they're not like putting any nails or
1: anything. So why bother?
2: Have yeah, look- but we also let them cut
1: with people, with the boys at the studio playing billiards and shit. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, James, break it out tracking. And usually, like, it's not till seven till, like, freaking Lars like gets in the studio and has sticks in his hands. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's just. Good. What's up?
3: So that's the way to do it.
1: <laughs> Still, I like, take forever. So you finally, I was like, all right, you finally have sticks in his hands, but that doesn't mean he's like tracking yet.
2: Yeah. I, I think it said something like, you know, he'll get there at like three, but won't be ready to go till seven. Yeah. yeah they talk about he, like Lars shows up at three. He like, then takes an hour nap. Yeah. He, he eats naps and showers before working. Like James, like we see James and Jason going over nothing else matters. They're just jamming it out, and fucking Lars comes in with a cup of coffee, shades, that fucking bathrobe again. While Kirk and Jason are, while Kirk and Jason are looking at new magazines, yeah, just looking at nudie magazines.
1: And then it's like they're like, all right, it's two two a.m. Can yeah. we finally start tracking? Yeah, his
2: exact words are, all right, it's two in the morning. Everyone's asleep. No one's having fun. Let's fucking rock. <laughs> and then they launch and in this. Bob s-
3: has to be there the whole fucking day. Oh Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were Bob is like, yeah, you could have stood up there like eight in the morning doing pre production and then you're like sitting there is like, oh my God, I'm ready we're to We're talking it about out. Bob
2: Rock probably having to pull twelve to sixteen hour days yes. regularly. Well, I'm sure Bob Rock was
1: getting fucking millions of dollars hanging out so. i just
2: wrote here at the end of that sequence i'm like you know they were probably pains in the asses to be around but fuck i love this band and, and then it, and then after they launch in the but true they play for a bit but then we also see edits of like sudam hussein and then <laughs> just violence in the middle east well i guess like hey, a true plays, yeah. yeah i was like i guess we got a sad but true music video going bob rock says it was quite good. It was ragged part-wise, though. You missed some cymbal crashes, and Lars is like, "I have my, <laughs> are you good, bro? I have my set patterns. My I'm set quite pattern. I'm quite moody. See, I'm quite. I'm very quite moody. I'm vibe-oriented. As, as, I'm, I'm very vibe-oriented. I want to get a good swing groove on the drums for this recording. And then Lars threatens Bob Rock with his lawyer. <laughs>
3: <laughs> By the way, could we just point out how good everyone's hair is? Oh, God,
2: yeah. I mean, Lars might have the best hair. Like, Jane- and that's look- the thing. Lars is the baldest one out of all of them today. Yeah. Oh, look at Bob Rock's density. Bob Rock in the ponytail. <laughs> His density. No, they- Bob-, Bob Rock still has good hair. It's not as long, but it's basically the same as it yeah. was Like for some kind of monster. It's just shorter now and grayer.
3: I also like the little clip of them it- jumping the, the water machine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh, man so then we see I think Lars yeah Lars asked James who has kind of a sicky throat during this session for vocals on a song and James yeah. is like you want vo- you want it with vocals go sing it <laughs> which is funny but a trivia moment uh, have you seen some kind of monster James I can't remember well either way
1: I just know for sure like I know they're arguing. Uh- like, an argument Lars Lars wanting James to sing the track, but Bob's like, dude, you your voice is blown out. Don't fucking do that. If you blow out your voice, then we might have to wait a fucking minute for you to actually be able to, like, do some, like, freaking vocal tracking on the side. Which I wrote down, I guess, tracking drums is a living hell, because you got Lars going, well, yeah, we could track well vocals, but... the the vocals gonna help me guide to know where I'm at in the song Yeah.
2: well I was gonna say uh, I was asking if you'd ever seen some kind of monster because this clip is used in that movie but it's used in the context of showing Bob having to put up with people's bullshit like people giving him bullshit but this was this didn't even involve Bob he just kind of mediated between James and Lars but yeah Lars is like and you just see Bob's like fuck it go blow out your voice I don't fucking care and Lars is like I just need a version of chorus just one just do it once
1: all it needs just a Voice in the chorus, and I guess yeah, but they're tracking the Unforgiven on the drums,
2: and I'm like, damn, James's voice sounds like shit. And then we, and then yeah,
1: we got good Lars faces. He's like freaking, just points out Lars. He's like fucks up. It's like, oh dang, I fucked up on the snare. Can we punch in there? And then Bob says like, yeah, 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 no, he like, yeah, no, Lars fucks up, and then he just starts punching the snare out of anger. He's like, (laughs) fuck, yeah. And then Bob's like, all right, take 25 minutes, Lars. We're gonna go in. We're going to replace the snare and we're going to replace the snare head. And then you just got Lars like, no, let me get it. Just come in. I was like, all right, let's just take a quick break. We're going to come in. We're going to tune in the snare. Yeah. And then we go into the Unforgiven music video. Unless I missed something, Ed.
2: Uh, well, James and Lars have a little thing while they're doing that. Because um, Lars wants to keep going, but James wants to stop because, you know, James and everyone else have been there for a few hours, but Lars like just got there, you know. So they keep running through Unforgiven, putting together, piecing together. And then so I swear some of those drums made the cut. And then when they and then after that. Um, yeah, we get the unforgiving Lars, music video. What's up? He he goes to Bob and Bob's like, yeah, no, the song's all right. Just need some solidarity. And Lars said something to the effect of, well, I feel like I'm doing pretty solid. I think we just need to rein in the other guys. I think we just need to rein in the other guys. And as Bob changes Lars's snare. There's a funny bit where Lars, like, thrusts sub- suggestively behind him. And then right before they play the uh, the music video, um, Jason just talks about how, you know, we're cool with running through songs, but Lars wants, has them run through shit, like, sometimes 20 to 30 times in one day. And then, yeah, they just straight up play the Unforgiving music video. Yeah, well, hey, that's why I forget, hey.
1: Metallica's practice. Metallica's practice regimen is nothing to fuck with. No. No, there's worse though. I think there's other bands that will literally. It's like, all right, we're gonna put in a whole work shift today of just practicing.
2: So I hadn't seen the Unforgiven, uh, in years. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a cool video. Did, Jake? Did you have any thoughts on the like the video if you remember it?
1: I don't think I heard you.
2: Oh, Jake's saying muffled again.
1: Oh, well, we'll just continue on until Jake tells us he's not hearing us all muffled out. So we,
2: after the video, we come back to uh, we Lars just roasting Kirk for doing 15-minute guitar solos.
1: Sitting there, and it's like, yeah, because they're talking about free, like the Freebird solo and shit. But then also Lars is hazing Bob. But Bob's, then we have Lars track the final drum track. Yeah. And then they're just like hazing, but it's like, all right, Lars, this is literally
2: the last drum track you have to
1: track. And he's like, all right.
2: But then right after that, we cut to, uh, yeah, none of these things breathe too long. We cut right to a family coming in.
1: Yeah, we see a cancer kid yeah. come through with a Make-A-Wish. With just, he was through the Make-A-Wish Foundation. He's like, he's fighting cancer, but he yeah. wants to hang with Metallica.
2: He's like, I love you guys. I don't play anyone else as much as I play you. You guys are crazy. I could never play the stuff you play. And Lars says, we can't even play it ourselves. We can't even play it ourselves. So, then he picks up a, so the kid picks up a guitar and jams with the boys. Specifically, uh, play, they play Four Horsemen. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah, and then well, we cut to James talking about vocals. Yep. He says they never focused on vocals quite like how they did on, um, well, on this I, record. Well, I
1: just want to say, like, after the cancer, homie, there's like, you know, we have a very good positive vibe right now. Post-jamming with, like, the cancer kid, just, yeah. like, doing that, all, like, levels. And then, yeah, James is, was tra- was, like, just tracking vocals. <coughs> and James doing a lot of punch-ins.
2: Yeah, he said um, he said it used to be like, oh, you messed up? No, it's fine. We'll just punch in. Not with Bob, though. Oh, no. He had him doing harmonies, multi-track layering. I don't know if it was Bone Steel, 100 tracks on tracks layering. Oh,
1: no, Bone Steel, if we're not muffled, do you know if the Black Album had 100 vocal tracks on each song? I think we're muffled.
2: I thought I hear... I, th- I think i, I think hear Bone Cheetos.
1: Steel. Yeah, I think we're hearing eating Cheetos. <clears throat> Wait, Boz can you hear us? Yeah. Yo, do you know if there was like a hundred vocal tracks on each song on this record?
3: A <laughs> hundred, probably not. But I think production has definitely changed since you know in the last thirty years or whatever. But there's pro- there's probably more vocal tracks on this album than any Metallica album prior. So yeah, hear how oh, yeah. you
2: hear how good it sounds, and there's probably only like between ten and twenty on each track. You should give that a shot.
3: Well, here's the thing you got to keep in mind, though. They're not doing a lot of harmony on this album. So it's a lot of James that's doing gruff singing with maybe some, like, you know, doubling and all that. But they're not utilizing a ton of harmony.
2: It's not gruff, Jake. It's tough. So then after, so it's Unforgiven they're working on right now specifically. Then a dude comes in and drops off a stack of what looks like 20 dirty magazines. Yep, it's just a fat pile of porno mags. The big breast ones are for Lars. It's like, here's the big breast ones, like this is for Lars. The ass ones are for James, and the two gay ones are for Jason. <laughs> Like, Lars. <laughs> Lars makes actually makes a funny joke here where in one of the gay magazines, there's an ad. It says something like gay one on one. Call this number. He goes, Look, it's an ad for the studio. <laughs>
1: looks the ad, looks an ad number for the studio.
2: <laughs> and we cut to James working on Sandman. He assumes the I'm recording vocals power stance. And yeah, it's rough cuts. Bob is helping him shape the melodies and whatnot. Yeah, he's just
1: sitting there's like, we're having fun here, James. We're having fun.
2: Yeah, that's what he tells him. He's just he's like like, trying he's to like to... throwing some character. Make it Hetfield. We're having fun. We're having fun, right? And then we
1: see like they pan out into another room and we see Lars and some creepy dude just watching a supposed Madonna pornography tape. Yeah. It's like, oh, look at it right there. You could, oh, I think this is close. We're going to see Madonna's bush. <laughs> Hold on. You should also point out, too,
3: I think it's it's a fun little note to think that the the most famous metal song of all time being enter sandman most likely is is recorded in socks
1: wait you talk about the socks over the mic
3: no 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 james is james is just wearing socks
1: oh okay oh. <laughs> <laughs> well he's just relaxed in the studio shit that's how it's supposed to be Yeah,
2: wait, was, I, was he supposed I, to be wearing I, leather jacket with the uh terminator boots well, I'm just saying,
3: like, you know, you think about, like, say your prayer, little boat, and it's just a dude just thrown there in socks. Hey,
2: man, hanging some people with their sock. socks
1: on. Yeah, he might have been even wearing sweatpants, just <laughs> hanging out, relaxing in the studio.
2: So, so after Lars going, oh, my God, I think we might have saw Madonna's bush. If he wanted to see that, he should have just watched Body of Lies. Hmm. Anyway, James tells that James starts it talking a couple a bit, of years. I'm sure Lars yeah. watched it. Hetfield talks about I wonder if uh, Lars had sex with Madonna. It sounds like a lot of people did.
1: But anyway. I'm sure Lars came. I was like, who's the cool Madonna? <laughs> Lars from Metallica.
2: I was <laughs> saying. You know, Madonna, I worked very hard to get to be on the billboard you every not, every year. You, with you this might not look like album. it, but I worked really hard
1: for these cigarettes I got right here. All right. So you just come up. And you, you didn't think that at some point this evening you're going to be wanting to have a cigarette. Yeah. I showed <laughs> Ed the fucking uh, Jim Bauer, like uh, Howard Stern, like lara's story where he's like fuck that kid's fucking knapsack <laughs> <Yeah>. so also, <laughs> i have
3: to keep talking about hair but i i'm digging jason's like look here the fucking shaved sides of the head
2: oh yeah up. this i'm gonna be honest i think jason always had good hair look good long shaved sides he looks good with short hair yeah so
1: have, and yeah, you got the ridiculous Lars hair. I'm by just the saying.
2: way, funny irony here of speaking about baldness because we talk about how bald Lars is now. There's a clip of one of their pre-show banter bullshits where. Uh, it was when Jason first cut his hair and Lars is kind of making fun of him like Jason where'd all your hair go and he's like he can't grow it anymore and what happened Lars is the first one to go super bald <laughs> so Heffield tells us how they constructed the studio to give the album the big crunch sound I wrote here it looked like they just built a fucking fortress can one of you two if you want right, like elaborate so on I the construction? So I know for sure
1: they build in a secluded box and then also use a, used uh, moving blankets for sure to like put over the mic so there's not too much much like you know sound reflection when tracking the guitar is to bring in that big beefy crunchy tone do you have any uh production notes on that from your observation good host friend bone steel
3: and that was for the recording of of which instrument uh guitar oh yeah no uh i don't have any notes on that i just think that I don't know. Bob's just a genius. Everything
1: that he does. Well, <laughs> <pretty laughs> obviously, it's pretty super excessive because that's the thing. They're like tracking these guitars in a big old beefy room with reflection. Yeah. So to like obviously isolate, just get a straightforward sound because like don't need to get too much like reverb or noise reflection for the guitar. It's just a good straightforward crunch. They built the isolation box with the with the moving blankets because the moving blankets yeah, will definitely sure. like deaden any like reflection.
2: So. Right. Then we cut to Virgil Hetfield, James's dad, and he talks about how so Hetfield had a stepbrother who was a drummer and when he was a kid, they started him on piano and they didn't say this, but this part, but it's uh, I believe Hetfield was in choir as a kid. So that dude just grew up around music. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're just
1: seeing James and his dad just talking about like his young life. Just talking about the piano.
2: And then uh, the camera sneaks up on Lars as he's yeah, writing you know, like, production notes.
1: Yeah. We just like see like, because while they're working with James, they pan over to the closet where L- Lars is like dissecting his like drum takes. Yeah. They figure out which is the best parts they like use for the fi- for like the final track.
2: And then we cut to yeah, like I said, there's not a lot of smooth transitions. We cut to James toying around with various riffs from the album, like wherever I may mean roam Unforgiven. Then we randomly cut to them watching the news as Bush Senior talks about the war.
1: Yeah, it's about the war, and then they're like just throwing darts at a random picture of some
2: dude. Yeah, I was gonna. Ask, Did you know who that dude was? No, wait, Bosio, do you know who that dude was that they were throwing the darts at? He looked like Kenny uh, Omega. Kip,
3: yeah, that's uh, Kip Winger.
2: <laughs> Like was throwing darts (laughs) at Winger (laughs) That's fucking Funny so then we See a dude I think he's the guy that's like I think he's the sound engineer working with Bob We cut to a guy named Randy Razorblade
1: So Randy Razorblade because he has a quote on that Because back then Putting together your tracks you had to Physically go in and cut The tape yes so physically Putting and cutting the tape together for the Master drums
2: it's crazy to me. Then we
1: stem Bob roasting. Then we see them boasting, uh, roasting Bob on an old record he made. Yeah. That he was personally like he tracked on and he just like was like the center. He was like, there's a big old profile picture of him.
2: Yeah. They just talk like, about it. Oh, how- like Bob, just look at all girly. He looked like look a girly him. man. And uh, he how he like- had he only had one chin. He like you only and you only have one chin at the time, too. Then we cut smash cut to Jason flying down the suburbs. Yeah, I don't know if the Metallica guys are good drivers, but he's like Yeah, you
1: see him just yeah. Jason is big old beefy like freaking Chevy Nova dragster. Actually, no, it was a it was a second generation Mustang fastback. I think I've seen it in videos of him mobbing in a Nova, but he's in a second generation fastback just mobbing through the streets and just Newstead talking. Cool.
2: Yeah. He says, yeah, people want to say we can't write good music anymore. If we're about to show them what's up. He's like hyping up the record and shit. And then he talks about the bass setup. How they had to put, because Jason plays with a pick, unlike Rob Trujillo and Cliff Burton. So they had to put up a wall of foam around him because his thick, tough picking got picked up and it kept annoying. Bob. Yeah, he's
1: like telling the story. I was like, yeah, so back in the day when I just had a wimpy amp, the only way for me to actually like punch my sound through is like I had to hit the shit out of the bass. And that's when tracking the bass, you just see like them. It's like, so yeah, tracking these bass tracks. Freaking! It's kind of a nightmare because, like, when we got it going on, we hear the pick coming through the we hear the pick clicks, pick click clangs coming through the mics. So we had to set up a huge wall of foam between the amp and Jason, so we didn't hear the freaking. And hear the friggin' pick clings coming up through the microphones. Yeah. And then we see some bass tracking for wherever I may roam.
2: Yeah. Uh, I don't think um, Bob and James cared for it, but I think Lars liked what Jason played. Jason said the hardest part was finding a tone that complimented everything, and but also didn't kill, like, guitar and drums. And then we cut to them all in the break room. They're watching some awards show, I think. Um, yeah. And Something then, like that, yeah. And Lars is like... I think everyone got burnt out in la Bob needed to change the scenery for a few weeks
1: oh yeah, yeah okay no here let me break it down because like I remember Bob was like breaking down the rhythm section and trying to coach newstead on like the tracking because mm. he's sitting there's like all right instead of trying doing this because uh, like if you like play this it might kill like the guitars when they come in so instead accentuate the drums and give air to like room to breathe for the guitars are here so basically just doing some quoting then we see them as they're like looking a uh, freaking like An award ceremony like thing. And yeah. And they're just stoked because they won an award for their for their queen cover. Yeah. Stone Cold Cold Crazy. Crazy. So, yeah. Now it's like, yeah, we're kind of burnt being in L.A. So they went and flew up to
2: Vancouver for a change of scenery. And there's a it's for it's on screen for a second. But we see James and Lars going to crash a strip club. It's like just sitting here. Yeah, they're
1: just like sitting. There. Yeah, they're at like the circuit studio, and there's a strip club ac- across the road. Yeah. So hey, when we're not track, if we just go over to the strip club and see some titties,
2: which is funny because I'm not saying you can't go to one, but I thought James was with his wife at this point.
3: Could hey, that don't mean you can't go to a strip club?
2: Hey, <laughs> you're quick on that one, Jake.
1: <laughs> hey, I'm just saying, if you like cleared it with the lady, I'm... who knows. I don't know if these Metallica dudes were super faithful, though.
2: Well, so James is doing a lot of guitar stuff, but also vocal stuff, too. There's a glorious scene here where he's talking to the camera. He's got his guitar Yeah, they're just hand, outside.
1: Yeah, just Hetfield's outside.
2: And Bob Rock in a wonderful purple button-up shirt with a fat like chain medallion necklace around his neck. He goes, hey, fucking Hetfield, get in here and work on the goddamn album. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Yeah. And, and he's like,
1: well, yeah, I'm just sitting
2: here just like talking to the camera, talking about nature. And he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, I have had it with you ever since you've got here. You've been on a nature kick. We don't have time to fuck around anymore. And James the whole time is just not taking it seriously. He's like, he's like, hey, take it down. Peace, brother. <laughs> it's like he's brother. like, 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 like kind of just straight up being a dick, but it's really funny. <sighs> so then we see them do some work on Nothing Else Matters. Um, which uh, I, I think this made the album. There's a part where he's fucking around with like one of those dual neck guitars that Jimmy Page yeah, used to Yeah, they're use. just
1: sticking around with vintage amps. Yeah, they're playing with the dual neck guitar. Yeah. Yep, Jimmy Page, like the 12 string on the top and the 6 string on the bottom.
2: Yeah, they work on that and wherever I may roam. And then we see them in the booth. They're ha- <laughs> Bob is trying to have a serious discussion on what guitar to use and like tone and stuff. Then Hetfield walks up to him and just rips out a fart. A nasty fart It doesn't sound that bad But Bob and Razor They're selling it like They just got hit with napalm
1: Yeah there's like They clear the room It's like the na- some nasty Fucking beer induced fart Yeah
2: So then Lars arrives After it's been a few days I don't know like,
1: Lars now flies in They cause some mayhem And
2: he, he literally He says almost word for word I'm here Time for the real work to begin Erase the last four days of work Cause I'm here now I'm here now And now in the studio <laughs> They have a stripper in there Yeah what the fuck <laughs> okay bone steel question you're trying to write a record you're working with a big name producer you're paying him out the ass to work with him day in day out for like eight months would would having a stripper in the recording studio kindle inspiration or would that just be an excessive distraction
1: i think it'd be a good i think it'd be a good break in my like, i'm just say after like After hanging out with someone doing a hundred fucking guitar tracks, I'm just saying, if the studio, if I have money from the label giving me money that I could also spend on a stripper and have her rubber butt all over me, I'm just saying, it'll be nice to take a break from, homie, I don't want to listen to your fucking chick, like fucking goofy ass chug over again. Give me
3: some titties in my face. Damn. It's an entertainment expense. You just write it
2: off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They probably could. They probably did just write it off. Yeah. So then, uh, yeah, we see the dancer dancing, and then Lars and Bob are basically they're putting the record together. Then Lars talks about how he came, oh, whoa, into-
1: whoa, like putting the record together, because what I got after the stripper is like we see Lars, he's in bed and doesn't want to get out of bed at all because he's all oh, hungover. That's over. right, he got a hangover. Yeah, he's all yeah. hungover, but then we see some shit on a keyboard.
2: Yep. Yeah, because you're toying around with like additives to the songs basically, and someone's like messing around with like synths yeah. and shit. Yeah, or someone's whatever. just like
1: playing some sense while like trying while like playing along with the record, trying to like get a good vibe going.
2: And Lars is just not having it. So then there's uh there's a great part where Lars is talking and he says, I came in one morning and and there's this table the size of from like here to Gibraltar yeah, filled to with Gibraltar filled with like tambourines and wood things and shit just and random things percussion. that, you know, you shake and, you know, those things you hit with sticks and iron. So And I, just I, random percussion. And I wrote here, I said, percussion instruments, Lars. Yes. Those are. Per- Why does the drummer not know? Why is he not saying percussion? Well, you see
1: Lars' is salon-level quality hair going down his back. He's like, you think Lars gives a fuck? Because no, because now for lunch, we see Lars mob off in a Porsche again. <laughs> as they're in Vancouver, Lars had to get a Porsche, and they're at lunch with Bob, and they discuss which songs to drop as the first single for the record.
2: Oh, yeah, that's great. So we cut to uh, them in a nice restaurant, and... Um And I actually, really quick, before I get to the bit here, I wrote here, man, there's a lot of James and Lars in this movie. Not a lot of Jason. I think Jason, at this point in the documentary, has been featured more than Kirk. So here's another moment where we can look back and say, oh, how Lars was right. Because like I said earlier, he wanted the first song to be holier than Dow. So Bob is like, I think there's six or seven songs on here that are going to be classics, not just with your fans, but with the radio, too. I'm like, you're goddamn right. Yeah. Um, But it isn't stated in this documentary, and they don't really talk about it further. But holier than now, he wanted that to be the first single. Lars was the only person of this whole production process that thought Inner Sandman should be no, the first Sam- single.
1: Sandman should be the first production. Which no. led
2: to it selling a fuck ton, the video in constant rotation, and Black Album kicking off Metallica's number one streak. And I wrote here, oh, how Lars was right.
1: Yep. But now... They're done in Vancouver, and they fly back to Los
2: Angeles. Now we're at Heffield's house, I guess. Kirk is back. The first thing he says is, yeah, guitar solos can come from anything. They could come from any instrument.
1: Yeah, we just see Kirk just dicking around with, like, different types of guitars and using different types of amps. And then we see James. He's looking over a pile of shitty promo pictures as, like, (laughs) they're taking, like, you know, just promo shots for the upcoming shit. Then we see a Japanese dude that's like talking the curve for I guess an interview. Yeah, and then we got some just like a, for a split second, and then we get some tr- more tracking for Sandman because they're not done tracking Sandman, I guess, <laughs> with the with the kid doing the fucking parts. And then we yeah. see James tracking more vocals for Sandman. And I'm like, bro, you bored with Sandman yet?
2: Dude, I didn't really realize how much they featured Sandman. Because I thought they featured like Unforgiven and like uh, nothing else a lot. I'm but just saying, there's, there's a much, lot of Sandman. I'm just
1: saying, how much were they just on fucking recording Sandman this whole entire time? Well, you
2: have to figure if Lars was dead set from the get-go that this was going to be the single. And they said, the first single, and they've even said they mixed that song first because... Uh, you know, whatever that song sound like the rest of the album needs to sound like you have to imagine the salmon. They probably spent the most time on. Yep. So then we, here we go. We got Kirk and Bob trying to work on the unforgiven solo.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We see Kirk. He's like, I'm having like this, like is having speaker rattle. So they're switching the cab out. And then you see Kirk, he gets shocked. He's like, ah, I got shocked. Yeah. And then now the great tracking battle of getting the unforgiven solo.
2: Because Lars is trying to stick up for Kirk, right? Because Bob is getting frustrated. Lars is like, it's not his usual style. It's not his style. And Bob is basically It's not his
1: usual style. And then and, like Kirk's like going, Yeah, no, I like to take him somewhere and try to take him somewhere else. And Bob's just trying to coach it. And, and you got Lars going, No, it's not his style.
2: Yeah, because Bob's like because Bob's like, Well, fuck that. He needs to put in the effort. He, he needs to like like how James did on Nothing Else Matters. And Bob looks in the camera, he goes, I worked with some of the great guitarist and a sign that a guitarist hasn't done his homework is when he goes man this sound just isn't working for me so bob is like well just fuck the he said he said just build don't just blow your load build up lars is like well why can't it go like here and then down here then up here again kirk says the thing you said take him to another place i
1: wanted to go somewhere and even go up higher and higher
3: yeah
2: he's to grab them take them to another place and take them to an even higher plateau and bob's basically just like impress me bro yeah he's like whatever play the fucking guitar solo guitar player of the year yeah impress me and then kirk what i'm gonna assume is the very next take full of piss and vinegar he rips out the solo that you hear on the record that wow 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 and then kirk in the talking head is like that's the guitar solo i've wanted to write for like five years (laughs) After
1: just arguing, all that argument, still not a style. Dude, Lars is still hilarious, though. Trying oh, yeah, to yeah. F- it's not his style. It's not well, his usual style. Yeah, it's like, well, what he's going to do isn't helping the song. It isn't, doesn't work with the song. No, it's the sound. I'm just saying, it's a fucking mess.
2: It's pretty great.
1: Either way, then we get a music video for Nothing Else Matters.
2: Yeah, I hadn't seen this one in a while either. Um, yeah, no. Jake, any interesting to say on Nothing Else Matters? Uh, the video?
1: Well, they use the
3: clip of them throwing darts at Kip Winger.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking great. So after that.
1: Damn, I might have to use that as a thumbnail. The so dartboard with Kip Winger.
2: I took some pretty good pictures for thumbnail potential, but I'm going to be honest with you. They're all of Lars. <laughs> they're pretty good, though. So they're looking at. So now after that, uh, Bob and Hetfield are shooting the shit. Bob thinks James is actually is legit. He says, I think you're very brave for writing. Nothing else matters. And James is like, well, you know, I appreciate you for helping. Then they're looking at album artwork They love the snake logo Lars Yeah, the Diltrenomy like, snake Yeah, then Lars is looking at the album cover Because it's just black Yeah, there's the snake And then there's the Metallica But it's kind of darkened up And Lars is like, yeah man, spinal tap
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, spinal tap
2: L- Lars feels like a guy that listens to a lot of music, yeah. or sees, or cares about pop culture. So now Lars is talking how that. See now they're back in Hollywood. Now they're mostly mixing now. So
1: yeah, they go to a now a third studio, yeah, to do like as they quote some last minute vocals while mixing out the record. He doesn't say. And then say Lars no. just breaks down how mixing works.
2: Yeah, he doesn't say this, but he's basically putting it for like it's a science project because they're literally just constructing the album and how they all, you know, they had, like you said earlier, they had the vision that they wanted. You know, big fat fucking drums. That's what he says big fat fucking drums, massive layers of rhythm guitar and punchy bass. Specifically, Lars says he wanted to see, he wanted some drums accented on True. This is funny because now on top of mixing, Lars keeps telling Bob to keep turning the drums louder (laughs) and Lars is like I can't turn them any louder you can't hear anything else I have to keep turning people up and he's like well yeah but I wanted to accentuate the fill here or whatever and he's just like you can't hear anything
1: and then we see James at some point angrily shooting a shotgun
2: and then some more mixing and Lar- and the whole time Lars has on this big fucking yellow flip up hat.
1: Yeah, I think this is the part we see Lars argue on the mix and then like on the guitar, how the guitars are unforgiven and then Bob's just annoyed and then is defeated.
2: But then yeah. he just, just
1: like, once they walk away, I'm just going to do whatever.
2: Yeah, right. And it, uh, James and Hetfield in and a talking heads like, yeah, there were some arguments. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I never would have guessed.
1: Oh, man, really? That
2: feels like he thinks Bob gave up too easy. This is another interesting bit of trivia. So they're arguing back and forth. Uh, There's literally a part where, uh, because, you know, Bob's like, the drums are too loud. He says, there's nothing there except drums. He says it's stupid. That's what he says. It sounds stupid. It doesn't sound like Metallica. And then there's a part where Bob's like, I'm tired of arguing. But which is funny, the trivia comes in. This shot was using some kind of monster, too, when talking about how Bob is sick of their shit. But what they don't show is Hetfield, right after he says that, he's like, I'm tired of arguing. James goes, no, you're not. And Bob laughs. And Bob laughs. <laughs> Jason sums it up as basically just them squabbling.
1: Yeah, this is squabbling. The trials and mixing. Then we see their sign off board when that's like, you know what? I think the song's complete. Everyone's like, you know what? I'm cool. We, we can sign off on this song. And then yeah. the next thing. But this board, how they sign it off is just pictures of nude women. <laughs> Fuck, dude. I think they were very horny. And I, I think like they, like they were young. Women. They like nude women. So. <laughs> and I don't know if you want me when we record to set up a fucking sign off
2: board of nude women. Uh, I mean, there's It's no for two reasons. One, I trust you're mixing. Two actually you know that be kind of funny maybe we should do yeah, that I
1: was like, <laughs> like, yeah yeah remember it's it like why are you just a rate of pictures of nude women It's like i'm doing it because metallica did it
2: and you see we oh, see it like this and see, needs we're modern smart. men so it's not just going to be a bunch of blondes oh yeah oh my god that's wrong. all the naked women were they were all hot blondes with big with big with big fake tits i th- i think they said it
1: earlier lars likes big tits
2: well you know I'm starting to think that's a short guy thing because my
1: dad. <laughs> I oh, like tall blonde women with big tits. Oh no! How about you, Bo steel? Do you what do you think of Larsen? Do you do you,
2: do, you, do you think you'd get a, you'd yeah. keep a stable band if that was your pro if you just follow the Metallica process? Yeah, Bo Steel, would you make the nudie freaking like sign-off board? Bob Rock, Bob Rock, Drill Sergeant with nude women. Would that work for I- you?
3: I should do that. I'd probably finish my fucking shit faster. (laughs) Yeah, you're inspired. You're
2: like, oh, yeah. It's like, oh, man, I don't think I can do this. And you just look up and you're just like, females. (laughs) You're like, hell yeah, do titties. (laughs) Let's fucking do it. Exactly.
3: I'm with Lars, though. Tits all the way.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm glad you agree. Thank you. So, they're mastering the thing. Like I said, they don't spend too much time on it. Like, literally, they're just like, oh, yeah, we're mastering it. And then, like, <laughs> We're just, they're just a bunch of like yeah man sounds good sounds good and then like they just get we, we then get multiple shots of just magazine it's covers this is a
1: montage of just yeah, magazine mo- covers being and like
2: hey yo these Metallica guys are fucking sick dude yeah
1: Metallica is like you know all these magazine covers and like shit as like preparing for the drop of the blackout and then we hear so what being played while well, during this montage,
2: yeah. So what? So then Kirk is like, "Yeah, we were nervous at first, or at least he was. He was worried how the fans would react.
1: So we they see, were so nervous. Yes, and then we see a massive listening party at MSG for the Black Album. Just a listening party, and you got fans out in here. It's like we're so butthurt. We're not going to see Metallica play." But it's like, it's like,
2: fuck you. Those tickets were free. And like, oh, well, yeah. Lars has,
0: just, Lawrence oh, has yeah.
2: a funny comment really quick where he's just like, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of fucking surreal. Our album is playing Madison Square Garden before we are. Yo, I was just going with this.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sorry. What were you going to say? Nothing. I don't know. So
2: now, okay. well,
1: other than just seeing shots, it's just like, I don't know what more you have. The massive listening party at MSG. And then you see the members come out, just greeting the crowd. Yeah. Now we see we go to a pressing plant, and oh my god,
2: dude, these pressing plant people when they talked in the camera, they looked absolutely dead inside. They were dead
1: inside and fucking hilarious. <laughs> I like it with the dude. Dude, that dude was fucking hilarious. He's like, so yeah, now we have to hear with the electromagnetic tapes that they like sit here and transfer audio onto it. This is our pre- pressing printing machine for the cassette tapes, and I'm like, I have to use this guy for a sound, but he's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, like, because the next guy, he's a little bit more, have life, but the first guy was like, this all nasally and just monotone. Oh <laughs> my, like, oh my, oh my God, I have to use this guy for free and like, don't forget, sample. don't forget. No, no, it's in my notes.
2: So after that, we then cut to a giant ass crowd at record stores and they are just buying the shit out of this record. Yeah. They're like, fuck yeah, Metallica, dude. Oh, yeah,
1: that's the with the pressing play. We also see CDs and vinyls and cassettes all being made. Dude, those all cassettes, Those
2: cassettes look fucking sick.
1: Yeah. But yeah, no, at a record store for the album drop, it's just wild. Yeah. I'm just sitting there. I was like, fuck, dude. It's like Black Friday, but it's the Black Album. <laughs> I'm sorry. like It kind of played itself right there.
2: No, you're right. You're right. I'm like, fuck man. I wish Metallica was this big a deal now. That's how good it was a big deal. Well, they're a big deal, but dude, they were fucking- Bro, they, I they, ranted they, about they were... Stranger Things. A
1: song well. was in Stranger Things, and then it's like, well, fucking- Oh, know yeah,
2: speaking of which, Jake, you want to know the fucking wildest things that's come out of the Stranger Things thing? So, you probably know this, but for eons now, their closer was Enter Sandman. No. now Now, because of Stranger Things, Master of Puppets is the closer. Enter Sandman is like- this is somewhere between the third and fifth song they play in the set now. They don't even, and they've been opening with Whiplash instead of Creeping Death. It's it's crazy. Yeah,
1: we checked the Metallica set list of recent. Damn, damn.
2: So then we speaking the of zoomers. which, these Zoomers, <laughs> I know, all these Zoomers go yeah, yeah, bro, Eddie ripping it upside down. Hell yeah, brother. Oh, and they've been repping Saint Anger with Dirty Window in the set. Fuck yeah. So then I just
3: can't wait for a Zoomer to fucking tell me, be like, oh inner salmon the black i listen to master of puppets shut the fuck
2: (laughs) dude that's so that's fucking wild we have new we're gonna have new fans that are gonna like a new generation having the old generation argument of oh yeah master of puppets is way better than that fucking inner sandman bullshit yeah And it just goes all over again. Speaking of which, we then see them shooting inter Man. Yeah, we see them like for the music video. And I wrote here, music videos look like a long, sweaty, T D process. And you just got can large, you, conf- can yeah. you confirm that, Jake? Yeah. Yeah. How's doing a music video, Bode
1: <laughs> Steel, being the performer for it?
3: ruling
2: as shit <laughs> yeah i know
3: well, they probably had it easier because they got camera people they got everything figured out or whatever so they just have to show up and do <laughs> yeah you're just lighting, so
2: creative direction Yeah, you're just like
1: you just got your friends you got like the fucking you got the poor schmuck that you got doing your shit for fr- like videotaping <laughs> your shit for free yeah. while you rent out the humid ass fucking rain room and you're like hell yeah i'm over rage in the rain room
3: yeah. So if you're not if you're not organizing everything, then I'm sure it's fun. I'm gonna be honest, I don't know, I don't know.
1: I Lars still talked about it. I was like, yo, I'm out of sh- I'm out of, like playing shape. Yeah, I feel like he- being in the studio. I'm just so gassed out of playing like Because full- that's the thing, I'm sure Lars is just playing like one straightforward take. Yeah, yeah. And instead of just like in the studio where he's like breaking in bit by bit.
2: And that was the thing. We see Lars in that pink fucking bathrobe again. He's talking to them. He said this a little earlier, but he said we hadn't played live for 14 months. So we're out of shape. And he grabs like. Damn, unquote, that's a bat- long
1: time for Metallica, I feel like.
2: Yeah. So and he grabs like a, a flab of his stomach to be fat. I'm like, Lars, you're fucking thin as shit, dude. So Yeah. wait. Then- yeah, just wait, Lars. Just wait, <laughs> Lars. So then with they play in her or Sandman, any thoughts on this music video, guys?
1: Oh, it's just the Sandman music video. I usually skip the music videos and watch this documentary. I already know what the music videos are. Oh, well,
2: yeah, but I mean, but this music video specifically has like some clout to it. Wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, has a little clout, but like editing is a little weird and dreamy. of get annoying. But either way, we see James talks about being stoked after finally going home as they're done with the record. And so I like, yeah, I can finally go home now. It's like, what the fuck have you been doing? Have you just been living in the studio? And I'm like, I guess so. Yeah, and we see them like talking about finally wrapping up the process recording yeah. and this Laura's like I'm in awe that it sold like 9 million records
2: yeah sorry I just scrolled down because I wrote a whole thing here just because I remember my parents telling me when they, they remember when uh, Enter Sandman came out which actually that came out like right before a little bit before they met Um, and yeah because because dad knew who they were a bit and mom is I think I've said on the show saw Metallica by accident but it was literally one of those things where they're just like dude that song and video changed everything thing and I wrote here I said yeah the 80s died in 1991 yeah because Metallica <laughs> was there to, tr- to purposely kill Kip Winger because <laughs> of the fucking dartboard oh uh, man so, yeah Nirvana wanted to kill Guns and Roses but they failed because uh, Kurt Cobain hated Axl Rose so well, everyone ne- hated Axl Rose <laughs> back then so then Hetfield after the video he's literally it's after the video Hetfield basically is just like you know I want to go home. I don't want to think about. I don't want to think about music or work for a while. I'm like, I don't blame you. Jason's like, dude, this went far and above my expectations. Kirk says, yeah, we really pulled it off. We really banded together. And Lars, he's not crying, but the words sound like he could be. He's like, I never thought this was gonna happen. No one ever thought this was gonna happen to this band. And then we see the boys. They're having fun. They're jamming "Die, Die, Die, My Darling" by the Misfits. You
1: mean Last Caras? is that- well, no, no. Yeah, I think it is. Die die. Yeah, I thought they were playing Last Caress. I don't know. I couldn't recall. I didn't care. And
2: they're just having fun. And then yeah, roll credits. And then during the credits, we see some fun outtakes. And almost all these outtakes are these fuck these guys fucking with the poor cameraman.
1: Yeah, yeah. We just see Lars talks about when like the cameraman crew is like, "Why the fuck do we got camera people coming in?" I guess
2: the label wanted to document us making this record. Yeah, yeah. Electra was really was really hype. He was like, you know, if I would have known that. If someone would have told me, what what a hell be doing a documentary? Do I would have said no? And then the last note I have here in a fucking great moment of foreshadowing. There's a shot of Bob Rock playing the bass. (laughs) And I just thought that was really funny. So, yeah, that's the movie, everybody. Yeah, there's a part two with their touring life, but we can't find a
1: full version of it. So and then it would be a turn into a very, 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 very long podcast. But Yeah. I don't know, Jay. How about you? Tell us your about the. Tell us about the documentary and your thoughts. What are some of your favorite parts?
3: Well, I think it's one of the better examples of like a making of documentary, and the fact that they had the forethought to film everything is pretty sick. Uh,
1: well, obviously, there's like also outtakes and everything too.
3: Well, yeah, but it's just the fact that, you know, how many great records have, like, have the making just been lost to time or whatever, and you just kind of wonder. It's kind of cool that this is all on tape. Also, Yeah, there's like,
1: yeah, this great monumental record where they're taking breaks in Vancouver with strippers in
2: the studio
3: sometimes that's what it takes hey man some
2: kind of monster had them taking breaks with with therapy oh yeah i can't wait for that one i can't wait for that one Um, like some kind of monster might be the better documentary but this album had some really great moments well this was more fun
3: yeah but it's not like you have the making of nevermind on tape or anything like that so yeah this is it's pretty sick. Also, I think it's a good little snapshot, a uh, little time capsule for just the early 90s in general. And how,
2: and how 1991 LA looks just like modern LA. Yeah. We said that in our Terminator review, how 1984 Los Angeles just looks like Los Angeles now. Yeah. No different.
1: Still shitty. So,
3: I mean, and then I've, it's all downhill from here. So
1: <laughs> kind of, yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, that's we'll the see. interesting part. See, I already know what all these records are. I don't know what the next ones are.
2: See, the, see, the, see. this is where this Metallica perspective gets fun for a few weeks because, of, oh, okay. Okay, sort it's of. fun. Because like, St. Angers, because that's a very personal album to me. So that's going to be the this one. This is
1: the content, though, where we're actually going, all right, this yeah. fucking blows. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, that's the better content. I me mean, going, yeah, man, dude, this song's awesome this will, I feel like just a little bit funnier content, and I get better jokes well, when that's I'm like I guess, out of anger. I'm that's like, how guess, much this sucks. That's Why what am I saying, listening to this? That's what
2: i to saying. The next few weeks, cause I know you're okay. You know, you, you, you kind of like Death Manic. You kind of like Hardware. But the next few weeks are going to be the interesting ones, because cause, cause, well, what are well, you well, talking I don't about? care we still about Reload, got, but I like and St. Anger. Oh,
1: I'm mean, right? you listen to Lulu.
2: We're, we're listening to Lulu. Oh, fuck. That's right. Hey, Jake, want to listen to Lulu with us?
3: Uh, no, but you guys also gotta watch the 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 documentary on the making of Load and Reload.
2: Fuck, where is there's that? There's a documentary one? for that.
3: Yeah, they're, they're not as long. It's not as long as the year and a half of Metallica, but uh, there's some good shit in there. Where,
1: I uh, think we'll watch a- it. We'll watch it. Sure. I'll I'll throw, is it? Pro- me and Ed will talk off air what the yeah, fuck we're reviewing next week.
3: So we're checking out, but. I don't know. I just think all in all, like a year and a half of Metallica, the Black Album, all that, that's that's peak Metallica. I know like uh,
1: yeah, this is peak Metallica. It's like when we reviewed The Who, once we hit Who's Next, it's like, I think we might have peaked.
2: Yo, we peaked super, that song had a song I gave a 10.
1: Yeah. I want to say like, for Metallica, it's like, yeah, we peaked from here on. It's like, they've hit it, they hit success and they've hit the wall of success and I'm like, curious to see what happens with this post-success Metallica. They've hit the one extremes with the, like Injustice for All and then went to the next extreme with like the Black album. Now, what will happen next? What happens, what happens to, when we listen to alt Metallica? <laughs> Obviously, St. Anger, I'm sure, might be a little bit more interesting because yeah. we'll have a documentary to back that up with.
2: Yeah, and load. you know, I, I've got a record saying I like load. Relo's the one Metallica record where I'm like, mm, don't really care for that. Well, b- besides Lulu... Oh, my God, Lulu's <laughs> like that. There's
1: like... It's all it's all metallic. It's all metallic Spotify. Yeah. So all right. You got anything else to say? Nah, Should we wrap up? Here. All right, listeners, this. this was the Triple D radio show with their host, James and Edward, and special guest host, Bode Steele. Hope you all have a good one. Thanks for joining us, Jake
2: Adios.
0: Bye, <laughs>